Are you tired of the same old pro wrestling? Then check out the amazing action on Powerslam.tv, the biggest indie pro wrestling channel in the world. Get over 4,000 hours of the best pro wrestling events from over 110 of the biggest names in the industry from over 15 countries around the globe. Get your free trial today at Powerslam.tv. This is Jordan Grace, and you're listening to the Social Suplex Podcast Network. BWB, this is One Nation Radio. You better get it right. Rich Ladder James Boyd came to give him life. The Blackest Wrestling Podcast has come to kick all ass and drop it six feet if they're kicking trash. Word, let me welcome y'all to something different. And if you dig it, man, you should let some friends listen. We be getting it in. This on the regular, dude. Ravishing flow, but this shit rule. See, James don't rap, so I had to break it down. The whole network, man, we coming for the crown. Raps in the columns, I keep them both covered Making the beats too, so the listeners can bump it Hit us with the rating, yeah, I'm saying it's a five Before you hit a talk, bob your head side to side It's One Nation Radio, and this is the beginning It's Rich, and I'm here with James It's time to listen to One Nation The power of the pyramid This is Mike from WrestlingObserver.com Check me out on Wrestling Observer Live every day And also check out your boys, Rich and James, on One Nation Radio uh, this is Kenny Omega, we're listening to One Nation Radio Check it out guys, these guys know what's up Big Kenny Omega fans, that's all it counts to me Goodbye and good night, hey Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this week's edition of One Nation Radio I'm your host James Boyd, and with me I have Rich Lotta What's going on man? I remember your name this week Hey Progress, like the UK promotion, <laughs> you know. Uh, just chilling, you know. Um, long weekend, and we got a lot to talk about, or not that much to talk about this week, since we did that mid show, uh, midweek show last week. But uh, of course, we are going to bring it only as we can. Yeah, man. So, where do you want to start? Uh, I, I would say we start with Elimination Chamber. That's the first, that's what brought us here, right? Sure, let's do it. Okay. Overall thoughts on the show in general. So I was preparing for a disaster, mm-hmm. but to me it was like just a below average show. It wasn't like um, you know, it wasn't like anything offensive. Like I don't think you know, it like was a bad show by any means. I thought right. uh, the wrestlers, you know, as they often do, you know. <laughs> stand up to the challenge that's laid before them. They're like, yeah, we really ain't give y'all shit, you know, so go out there and save it in the ring. And, you know, on a couple occasions they were able to. Others, there were, it was just, you know, eh, okay. It it was an easy show to watch. Um, I I didn't think it was, you know, unnecessarily a needed show. But, uh, you know, that's the, the way the calendar rolled. I don't really have too much to say about it that's interesting because I didn't really find the show interesting, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, you, at least they had like the courtesy to not produce a train wreck like that. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this is definitely no, um, hell on a cell from last year at all. Um, yeah, I, I kind of have the same feeling you do. Like, I feel like this show is somewhere in the middle. Like, if you want to give it one thumbs down, I'm not going to say you're crazy. If you give it one thumbs up, I'm not going to say you're crazy. It's just, a, it's just mid. 
<laughs> just a yeah, mid show. Like, like um, an average, like we always say, like, you know, if there's a 100 point scale, right? You know, we're not saying it's an 80. We're not even saying it's a 70. It might be like a 57. Like, <laughs> yeah, so. something like that. Yeah. It's, it's definitely somewhere between 35 to 65 or whatever. Or actually, probably closer to, you know, uh, 40 to 60. Definitely in that range. Um, yeah, I, th- I, th- I think that. The matches that were were matches where they got got out the way and didn't do anything ridiculous with their booking or a bad match layout. And the matches that um, people have problems with isn't because the wrestling is necessarily bad or, or anything. It was just that they did things to water down the stories that were told leading up to it. And we'll go through them um, match by match. Or undercut it, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so... I mean, let's just start from the beginning. We'll end up going to, um, I think, the best match of the night. Uh, Daniel Bryan versus Drew Gulak. I, I love this fucking match. <laughs> like, so I don't I know. Like I don't, half of this. Okay. So, I didn't know how you were going to feel about it now that you were officially have, you know, shunned off all things that involve grappling. So, I didn't, I didn't know how you were going to take this, Rich. Like, you're like, nah, bro. That, that looked like it was too hard. Like, they so, were wrestling. So, like, it was too much of a struggle. <laughs> so, I didn't know so, how you Nah. So, so, I was, like, booting up uh, the network, but it, like... um you know, I didn't get into the match until like midway, so I missed a lot of the, okay. you know, them rolling around, feeling on each other stuff. I, I missed all that stuff. So, um, <laughs> but I did get there when you know Daniel Bryan was like getting dropped on his head, taking those bumps on purpose or whatever, and then he was like selling the arm, like he's losing feeling with his yes. arm and shaking, and then Michael cold like it takes him forever to pick up on it, and then he he does it, you know, and I, I'm just immediately like. I'm like fuck you, like like fuck like fuck y'all for for like trying to do sell this damn Brian neck trauma uh, is leaving him paralyzed. Like fuck you for for making me watch this. Like that's that's where I was at on it. I started getting all, a bunch of text messages from like you know, uh, like Dave Finisher, who's like WWE just had their first five star match and I don't know how long. I'm like uh, no. I'm like I didn't respond. I was like. Okay, like what I saw, it was fine. Like, but I didn't feel like I was watching any type of five star match or anything. But I only saw like the last like five or six minutes of it. So the um, the deal with it, you know, I, I look today. Of course not. It's not no five star match. Of course, but, yeah. um, <laughs> uh, you know. I always want more for Daniel Bryan, but, you know, he's doing this thing where he's picking his opponents and programs. I'd sure like him to pick a WrestleMania opponent in a program <laughs> uh, because, you know, you're looking at it, you know, all the results here, and I'm like, well, where are you fitting in? I mean, <laughs> I, I see potential as Sami Zayn versus Daniel Bryan, but outside of that, I don't really I don't really see a spot for him um, for, for WrestleMania right now. Just leave him off the card. I don't think you they're know, gonna do that. You know, um, look, look, I, between the Andre the Giant Battle Royal and being left off, take the leave off. Nah, you gotta get you gotta get that check. <laughs> you gotta get that check for making the date at least. Yeah, um, uh, but you know, I only saw half the match. But what I saw yeah. was cool, and you know, I just didn't. You know, I was not a fan of the. You know, we're going to sell Daniel Bryan being paralyzed in this match, and he's going to uh, land like that on purpose. Huh? I didn't. I didn't take it as far as that as they were selling some type of um, serious grave. Like they didn't pull like Michael Cole didn't break out the voice. Yeah, I'm, right? I'm also not a fan of like the 
the Daniel Bryan is washed up like a Jace like type of storylines or whatever. Like I'm I'm not. What vibes like, do you get from that from this storyline? So I, I'm not a fan of the the Daniel Bryan. You know, is washed up a Jace. You know, storylines or whatever. Like uh, Drew Gulak has grown up idolizing this guy and studied him, and he's out wrestling him, and he's he's better because Daniel Bryan is slipping. You know, things like that. Not a fan of this storyline at all. Like, or, or or alluding to, you know, a dude that ain't slipping at all uh, is slipping. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if they actually... I mean, I didn't watch that much SmackDown. I watched some of it, but, like, that's... I didn't... The part about him watch growing up and him being old because he watched a lot of his stuff, like, that's there, but I don't think there was a, a, a thing about... I noticed that there is slippage. I I think there was a. I've watched so much of his stuff that I see weaknesses in his game that were there back even you know a decade ago. Like I think that's I I from what I picked up that's what they were putting down. But I didn't pick. But I mean whatever. We'll, we'll, it doesn't really matter. But um but ultimately the part of saying like I've been watching you for so long like that is classic grizzled veteran uh, talk. So yeah. Um. But yes. Yeah, the thing I love about this match was, I mean, it was just like watching one of those Sonata and um, Saber matches from last year, where it's like, this dude's a technical marvel, and everything this man tries, he has an answer for, left and right, and he even like, counters whatever he's going for and puts him into the same move, and obviously, you know, Daniel Bryan's better at, like, He's better at the emotional, psychological storytelling and facials and stuff than Saber is. Saber is just better at putting you in five different moves that you didn't even put you in moves that you didn't even know was a move. And I think a lot of that like um, becomes mass- masturbatory and gets in the way of what he's trying to do. Sometimes, like I think he's showing off too much and making it look too easy, and it kind of like takes me out of a match. It's like, all right, if you can do all that, then this match in right now right you have them in like six different moves <laughs> right now in the ring tap out uh but yeah anyway with brian like you know they go for a, a battle and um between uh surfboards like it was just awesome but basically he gets out the ring gets frustrated and then he says like i can't out wrestle this fucker so daniel brian being the uh you know jack of all trades he is Fuck it, I'm, a, I'm just going to get nasty and start turning into a strike battle because I can't out-grapple this dude. And Gal, or, uh, Gulak goes and then basically is like, fuck, he's, I, I can't strike with this dude. So then he basically grabs, grabs a leg and then puts him in a, um, gives him in a, uh, I'm sorry, a dragon screw uh, leg whip, and then he works over his leg. And then it's just, it's just so fucking good. And then by, the, then that, by that point in time, they go through and more more um, back and forth, you know, the, the chest, chest, back and forth stuff and then eventually they go to a um a spot where it's a double down outside the floor for a double 10 count they are cheesing a double 10 count they both get back in the ring and then you get the um you end up getting that big suplex that he ends up landing on his high on his neck um thinking he's Mayu Iwatani or somebody I don't know but um he rolls out the ring that tees another 10 count he gets in you think you know oh he's really in danger here um you end up getting the uh or that dragon superplex um, into the you know the dragon soup or dragon um, sleeper hold that he does the gulak, and then he reverses out of it and turns into um, 
the yes lock. I mean, I just I thought this thing was great. I I five star classic. Hell no. Um, I'd probably give it like I can imagine anyone giving that between three between a, a four stars to four and a quarter. Um, mm-hmm. but it was an excellent match, and it's like more reminders like don't th- for anyone that thinks that Daniel Bryan is you know he doesn't have the skills or any other wrestlers that were just incredible, you know, before they signed with WWE or whatever else, like their skills have eroded or whatever else. Like I'm sure that's true in some cases because of lack of drive, but the ones that are still out there busting their ass every week, they're every bit as great as when they weren't in WWE, just they're in WWE getting, you know, told to do dumb stuff. Um, so it, it was, it was awesome to see him in the opener in, um, in his match. Like, you know, Five years ago, you'd be like, hell no, that match is never happening. Or three years ago, you're like, no, hell no, that match is never happening. And for me, it was really cool to see Gulag get that kind of shine because, you know, people have raved about the the PowerPoint presentation, the 205 live stuff. And, you know, even when you saw him in NXT at times, or Worlds Collide or whatever else, you see that that dude is a technical marvel. I think I told you um, last year's first uh, Worlds Collide, like, that dude is like, that dude reminds me so much of Brian. And to see them do that match, I was like, I felt validated, you know, mm-hmm. um, but it, it was, it was a cool match and, um, maybe there's more, I would like to see them wrestle more. Like those matches are awesome. Yeah. Um, I'm just, I'm trying to figure out like where Daniel Bryan's going from here, but, yeah. um, yes, we'll all see. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in the next match, you get another kick-ass match, uh, Umberto Carrillo versus Andrade for the U S title. Um, what do you think of the match? I like this match uh, a lot. So, I bet you did. <laughs> you know, it was off rip. You know, Judas effect, and you know, lots of high flying and Andrade being a nasty fucker, and um, you know, Humberto's like a you know I've always liked him even when he was on the Largo Loop, and you know, it, it's always great to see a couple Mexican wrestlers wrestling each other because it, it just works out well. Like, literally, it's been that way my whole life. So, <laughs> I've watched. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I thought it was cool. It was, it was another, um, you know, it's just a solid addition uh, to the card. Um, and, you know, I missed a lot of their other matches, so I don't have mm-hmm. the feelings that I'm seeing, you know, online where people are like, yeah, you know, it's a, it feels redundant, like the uh, finishes that they've done. So mm-hmm. luckily, I, I missed all those. So this was all kind of fresh to me. So uh, I thought this was good. And, you know, Andrade is like bulletproof out here, failed a wellness test, and I still got to build. <laughs> yeah, man, I, um, I don't think I've seen any of their matches, uh, but what I will say about Umberto is uh, from the talk of people that watch 205 Live to the people that still watch Raw, they don't like him as much as we do. Um, yeah, I don't get that. I, I mean, I don't know what was going on. Like, I've heard there were, I've heard some talk of botches or him just being super vanilla, but it's like, well, that's on the company for not because for, so many of these people are vanilla is like all right look 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 fire them then like, yeah, how about exactly. that? Like, like yeah so so for me it's like i've seen enough house shows with that dude and seen you know saw worlds collide last year and saw seen him in you know nxt from time to time and like i he's an he's an enjoyable watch every time i see him and like he might be the most graceful f- flyer in the world right now <laughs> Or at least like in WWE, like everything he does looks perfect. Uh, but I think for me, 
um, it was really fun to watch this match to see them go out there and do their thing. And um, I think right now, like the, my favorite match in all the WWE is like letting like the luchadors like wrestle like and do their flying and their stuff, but at like the pace of a WWE match, so it doesn't like overwhelm you with like the number of dives or the number of intricate things they do. It's more like you're just watching it and is like at a pace you're just so familiar with. So it's kind of it's really cool, and I think. With them teasing the elements of um, of them both taking each other out of different points with the uh, concrete DDT, I think like at the end, like you get the storytelling aspect, and because it was so low stakes, like Vince didn't want to get too cute, and then kind of just let them have their match, have their you know simple, easy to follow story, and let them go out there and be spectacular and be themselves. And I thought it worked out very well. Like, um, is this the best match I think those two can have together? No, but. I thought it was three or three quarters, and I enjoyed the hell out of this match. Yeah, same, same. I would have gave it the same thing. Yeah. Um. So <laughs> after that, we we ended there's, up going. Is, there's something about like getting like that three and th- three quarters match when it's like when you feel like it overachieved, like, and also you know, like it's almost like found money. Like, oh, we can just add one of those to the card rather than it like being like. A, a disaster and it's three and a quarter or something like that. Like something went <laughs> tragically wrong and it's three and a quarter. Like there, there are a lot of, um, you know, different variables there that we have to qualify. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, you know, if, if, if we built up, you know, the match for months and months and months and months with like the best build you ever seen in your oh. life. And then it comes out to like a three and a half, you know, it don't quite, there's yeah. something a little different about it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's, it's, because there's so much wrestling, I don't do rewatches as much anymore, or rarely ever. Yeah. So, like, I wonder how many matches, like, now with, you know, we go back and check out and matches up were like, this match was great, or this match was disappointing. How my perspectives would change, or if I, you know, there was something that I, for, you know, forgotten about, or something that, um, almost is like, you know, uh, like a like a breadcrumb and like something that was used later or whatever else as far as storytelling for some matches or feuds or whatever else but um mm-hmm. you know just too much wrestling and y- y'all want me to start a joshi podcast yeah no, you know, james <laughs> jo- josie jumps on what, what was your favorite name you know that i came up with the one your the one that you came up with i think you said yeah. something about james's joshi junction <laughs> yes james's joshi junction triple j <laughs> On you boys, <laughs> ridiculous. Yeah, that ain't that. Uh, I don't think that's in the cards, Chief. That's that's too much comedy wrestling for my liking. Like James and Josie's jurisdiction, jurisdiction. James and Josie jumps on. Why is it just like? Why is it such a thing for alliteration? Why is it? I don't know because okay. it's like James and Joshi, and then like there, I was like, let me think of any word with a J that's like a noun like oh, that. Lord. I can. Wow. Um, uh, but anyway, uh, I thought it was a really good match, and um, I don't know how many more they have in them, considering they've done a few of these already, but um, looking forward to WrestleMania, um, I think they're probably going to be Andrang, but if they're not, I'd love to see you know them and, and um, Angel and, and Ray rip it up, because... You, you, you kind of need some matches where, like, you see people laid out on the card, and you're just like, okay, this is the match we can depend on. We need some dependable matches on WrestleMania right now, and some of them are kind of like... Look, uh, man, I see that WrestleMania them. card. I'm not really, seeing it. 
yeah, like we need some of these matches where, like, at least in the first half of WrestleMania, we can be like, okay, we were on pace or something like that, and then like they can go out there and throw out six mid matches in a row like they did last year if they want to. But at least you can have like an hour and a half or two hours of you know enjoyable uh, professional wrestling on you know the biggest wrestling show of the year. Just perhaps, maybe, but we'll see. Yeah, man, um, I'm looking at this card up and down. I think there's like eight matches that are locked in already. I, I wow. feel like there ain't nothing on there that's like going over three and a half right now. So I'm mm. <laughs> I'm like, look, man, where is that? You know? Yeah. yeah. I I, look, I, I and a time's all gonna get cut. Mm-mm-mm. Well, it's gonna be a long day. Maybe not, because you know Triple H ain't on this car, so that's that's like a half hour freed up right there, ain't it? They gonna redistribute that <laughs> real nice. Best believe <laughs> I mean if you think I mean, I, I wouldn't have Brock and, and Drew go long. I wouldn't have uh, I wouldn't have Roman and Goldberg go long because why the fuck would you have Goldberg go long ever? Uh, so, you know, with Triple H out of there, that might just maybe. I mean, obviously you have, you know, the Hall of Fame stuff, the throwing to whatever advertising stuff they have to do, um, the commercial to show that, you know, they're, you know, however much money they made for the community or whatever charity outreach they're doing. You know, they're going to do the, uh, the WrestleMania, uh, attendance announcement where they lie by like, oh, by 10,000 people. You already know certain spots in the show, they're going to have, uh, stuff that just bogs down an asset of the show. I'm, I've made my peace with that sort of also stuff. The show, look, also, the show having 16 matches on it and shit. So, you know, <laughs> on the main show. That, yes, that is a problem. That does t- that does <laughs> that does wear down the special the specialness of WrestleMania. Is like okay, like it's it. I think Triple H first person to say the showcase of the Immortals, whatever else is like. How immortal is Otis versus Dolph Ziggler going to be? Yeah. How legendary yeah. can that get? Yeah, um, you know, like yeah, and that- I'm not, I'm not someone that's like just blatantly throwing. Yeah, uh, not everyone deserves a WrestleMania match. I'm not blanketly throwing that out there right. with no context because the thing is, the people that like we're saying, hey, get them the fuck out of here, are the part timers and like <laughs> these people that are just gonna stank it up. Like, and, like I'm not trying to see the Undertaker. I'd rather watch Andrade. Like, like yeah. suck my ass. Like, I'm good, man. Whoa. Like, <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. Look, man. Um, what does Jericho say to people about about uh about? Oh, what does Jericho say to the crowd now? That- I think he says suck my ass, I think. Does he say wow. Um all right. I let's just move on. I was, yeah. I wasn't expecting that out of you. I'm just was not <laughs> Anyway. Uh next match is the tag team. You know, any, Chamber you know anytime I can uh I can you know impersonate a wrestling observer uh you know, newsletter wrestler of the year, you know, you gotta do it. Um I'm sure there are some of those people on the list are like blatant racist, so I wouldn't. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm sure some of them are women beaters too. So I, you know, anyway, uh, yeah, tag team elimination chamber match. Uh, what what do you think about this match as far as in totality? <laughs> um, so I felt like I called everything that was going to happen. So ironically, uh, Catherine was watching this match with me, and I was like. Like, when it came down to the final three, I was like, okay, Miz and Morrison are going to win. Like, when they were getting faced off against, I was like, watch. Like, and then, like, it was like a pattern match. It was like every time someone did their big stunt, 
they immediately got eliminated. And it was like, I was just like, this is so like soulless. And I was like, there, I thought a lot of the wrestling in the match was actually pretty good. Um, you know, Lindsay Dorado's a madman. It looked like he, he blew both knees out, like when he did that um, uh, shooting star press off the top of the cell or whatever. Um, you know, my dog, fuck all night, sucker night, uh, you know, was doing his thing. <laughs> but it's like, I don't care about any of these people. Like, and the people they did care about, they got them the fuck out of there too. So yeah. I'm like, you know, um, there were a lot of botches in, in this match too. Uh, Grand Mental Leak, uh, the second he got in the match, like he got, <laughs> it was like, like he jumped in and he was like supposed to do like a uh, hurricanrana, but like he didn't quite like turn, so it no. turned into a power bomb or whatever. And it was just like, mm. uh, Lince Dorado was all over the place. Uh, you know, the Usos were all over the place. Like Kofi. it was, just, yeah, Kofi falling off the rope, and it was just like. Yeah, man. Um, I see what y'all tried to do, but it ain't work. Yeah, um, <clears throat> it's hard to rate this match based off of what they were I going. Feel like, I feel like it was a lot of everything. Like there was a lot of good stuff, but there was a lot of bad stuff too. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I agree with that. I think this is a match where, like, I'm never gonna call this a bad match. Um. I would not call this very good. I'd probably say it was a... I'd probably just give it three stars and just wash my hands of it. Um, maybe a little higher. Maybe three and a quarter. I would not say this is a very good match, though. Um, so, I, I think... I think the I, I think the thing is, if you did the gauntlet match and you had the, you know, the Iron Man of the gauntlet... Iron team of the gauntlet match be heavy machinery in... You know, we need to probably have a later discussion on like whether or not like the Gauntlet winner is now more prestigious. Uh, the yearly Gauntlet winner going to the Elimination Chamber is now more prestigious than the World Rumble because like three years in a row now, like it, it's, it's, the person who won the Gauntlet thing gets more over than the person that won the Rumble. But um, I think I think that if they're going to do that, then like you shouldn't just you know run through Otis and and get them out of there that quickly. Like, they could have teased... I mean, obviously, the idea is, like, we would just want Miz and Morrison to be the champions. For whatever reason, that's fine. But... If if the, it's the most important act are in the match, or the hottest acts of the crowd are, you know, the Ziggler team and the Otis team, then, like, they should probably stick around longer. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, or, like, you know... Or be like the last two people to get eliminated. Like there, there's no need for the Usos and the New Day to be around unless the idea is they're going to do some type of triple threat ladder match fuckery at WrestleMania. And I'm, I'm assuming that's where it has to go. The way they presented that, to where those last three. Yeah, man. I, I, I don't know. I'm looking at the teams in there, and you know, the only people with a real storyline that they care about were those teams you were talking about, right? Like, Ziggler and so it's like, am I shocked WWE fucked up something when it comes to do with the booking? No, um, <laughs> I'm tired of New Day. I'm tired of Usos, like and all that. It's like break them up. I'm good. Um, 
I don't know. I feel like Kofi Kingston shouldn't even been in this match, but uh, do you like do you like the callback where at the end of the match, right before they got eliminated, he he, uh, he jumped he off the top, the top. He jumped off. And the thing is, the crowd was so deflated by Otis and them getting eliminated that they didn't recognize that's what that's what that was a callback to. Yep. Yeah, yeah I saw that, and I immediately was just like unbelievable um <laughs> like in, in the span of 365 days they've rendered that whole thing that that like absolutely yeah yeah he should have saved that one he's like i ain't doing this again until you know uh, i'm a this, single this, this is like our last this is like our last like this is my last year in wwe like that's when i would have saved it for but whatever it's crazy man um yeah uh i'm trying to think what else what happened after? oh aj versus alistair black Dude, um, we're at a point now where, like, <laughs> I find it kind of redundant that we have AJ Styles and Randy Orton on the same roster, on the same brand, when, like, they're both the same person now in the ring. <laughs> like, you look at what they do, everything they do is textbook perfect, but they're not taking no risks. They're not taking no bumps. And look, if that's what you want to do, fine. But like, I need you to fill, figure out how to fill this void of what's missing in you. And now that y'all don't take no risks anymore. And AJ has to figure that out now. Um, Insert Rich's 2019 rant about AJ Styles being washed up here. Yeah, but the, the thing now is worse because AJ was still having kick-ass TV matches, even though, and a lot of that stuff was happening with um on pay per view was bad match layouts, short time, like that Ricochet match went what, like five minutes or whatever at SummerSlam. Like, why the fuck would you ever book I those think two? It went Twelve no, minutes. Twelve minutes? Okay, I forgot, I'm sorry. Uh, it was super short. It should have went. It should went longer, but whatever. Um, we're just at a point now with with AJ where it's like, look, man. I, I kind of understand the reason why he decided not to leave and go to AEW or whatever else or go back to New Japan or, or go, go wherever else for a big amount of money for less dates. This man has came to decision like, look, I have I can make three times what I was already making as a top guy in WWE. I'm just going to cash that check. I'm going to come out here. I'm going to have my, my standard three-star match or three-and-a-quarter-star match. It's good enough. Vince loves me. I've earned his respect probably faster than anybody that was on the outside ever has, and I'm going to call it a day. And he's going to go to WWE Hall of Fame because that year that year and a half he had demanded it, um, and whatever. Like, he's going to be an ambassador, he's going to be getting Legends checks or whatever else, but it does suck for when that dude, like, in 2017, 2016, had became probably my favorite active wrestler for a certain amount of time, and, like, yeah. that wrestler ain't there no more. Yeah, um... And it, what really makes it mad, bad now is they're about to start framing him. And that's kind of what this storyline has been as like this legendary, like still in his prime, Mr. WrestleMania level (laughs) guy. It's like, bro, he's fucking cooked. Like as an elite top level guy, he's done. Those days are over in the past. Finito out of here. Um, It's just like, it was so boring watching him wrestle, and it's just like, yo, this is it. Like you ain't got, you ain't find nothing else. Like I'm watching Jericho, who's like damn near a decade older than you, figure out a new act, like figure out a new way to still be awesome. Two, like this is just like 
to be fair, I think that it was change your gimmick, AJ. Like I don't like like. To be fair, I believe that if this match was in AEW, this match would have got a way better reaction. Um, I think the thing that's that's going on. Oh, this crowd all night. Huh? All night. The crowd was just like staring at stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think Otis getting taken out like really killed this crowd. Um, and I mean, look, there's only so many times I can say I think this killed this crowd or whatever else. Ultimately, what's happening is. WWE gets gets people that come to their shows, pays money, pays for parking, pays for concessions, pays for merch, sits their ass down expecting to see a good card, and time after time after time again, they kill this crowd. And, and at, at some point, and the crowd can't recover, and sometimes they get them back or whatever else, but for large stretches of WWE shows at, at this point in time, the crowd is barely has a pulse. And they're going to have to come to some real... Um, they're going to have to start looking at themselves in the mirror on why the developmental brand, why, you know, when they're in in front of 400 people or whether they're in front of 15,000 people, why AEW in front of 4,000 people or whatever else every single week, or why New Japan has their fans going rabid or stardom or whatever else that, that draws a lot of people, OTT, WXW, all these places that draw um, over 500 people, why their crowds are hot for them and why WWE is not. I mean, ultimately, it's going to come down. Uh, they're going to have to have some real, you know, discussions about what they're doing with these cars and what they're doing with these characters and why it doesn't resonate with their fan base in the way that it used to. Because you know, these crowds were not like this three years ago. These crowds are not like this two years ago. I, I, you know, I was watching the show. I, I was seeing some of that quiet Japanese respect. <laughs> On display, you know, I felt like, you know, the crowd has showed up, you know, for a nice, you know, evening of like of not a lot of noise and, you know, a nice like library like atmosphere, you know, like it would be considered talking out of turn if you were if you were cheering loud or, or, you know, having fun or and then when you think about it, it's like, well, this is much this is what WWE books for. They book for these Pavlovian responses. They book for nothing to mean anything. And then they book for you to feel like you connect with someone and then they yank it away from you. Like, you know what? Don't even forget we ever did that. So this and this is what this is descended to. This is degenerated into um, just people showing up to these shows and like wanting it like. I, I would assume fans buy tickets to have a good time to get into it. But then I'm watching Angelo Dawkins make his comeback to silence. And I'm just like, what the fuck's going on here? Like, this is like, like it's, it's just like, it's hilarious to watch in, in, in a way now that, you know, I'm very removed from it. So it's mm-hmm. like, yeah, man, they don't have this problem on Wednesdays. Like, they don't, I don't know, man. Like, yeah, like, 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 Look at what, how they were reacting to Darby Allen last week. Like, come on, man. This is a joke at so, this point. So, I mean, a lot is of, of their own doing. We talked about this a million times about them. You know, you you book wrestling to tell people that that watch the show over long over any sustained period of time that if it's not a star, you shouldn't give a fuck. And then you have compressed, um. You have to compress people to everybody is in the middle and then, like, wonder why no one reacts because, like, none of these people are stars. Like, 
um, I think I think it's Cornette or a bunch of different people. A few different people from the territories talk about like if you have one or two giants, then you have giants. But if you have like five giants, then everybody's a fucking giant, and therefore you have no giants. So uh, yeah, um, and that's look, the same thing with people's stature. Like not everybody can be a star. Like, but you can figure certain things out to where like you make people care about people without necessarily being stars. And you've made it. To, you've conditioned your crowd to where if it's not a star, you should not care. And once you once you go out there and put out a pay per view card that doesn't have Becky Lynch or Roman Reigns on the fucking card, what do you or Drew McIntyre? What do you expect was going to happen? Um, so got some, got some other news off Twitter just now. Uh-huh. Uh, just two weeks after facing, um, you know, Brock Lesnar, you know, for the WWE Championship, and one week after facing Riddick Moss for the twenty four seven Championship. Ricochet takes on Eric Young on WWE main event. Buried. Yeesh. Oh, man. Well, this, keep in mind, this isn't his first time on main event. He had that main event match with, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Cedric Alexander. So, yeah, um, this is the trend. It's really sad. Take Look, man, move him back to full cell, please. Um, anyway, so just to continue on with the AJ match because we got into a tangent about dead crowds. Um, and AJ yeah, like right. deteriorating as a uh, as an elite wrestler in the world. Um, yeah, let it, it go. Was, it's it was not a, quite it, it's, it's done, Vince. Yeah, he, I enjoyed the match. It just it was in, it was in front of silence. Um, they I they did. told huh? I didn't. I, I, I I'll, I'll get into it after. Yeah, like they're wrestling back and forth. Obviously, they're they're showcasing um, Alistair as a striker, and then and then you have the clear the work on the leg, and you have the work with the Kindle stick on the leg. Then you have him having a fight from underneath. I thought it, I thought Alistair's selling was very very good, um, and I thought they you know with the tease of the or the meteora off the announce table through the table that was laid out. I thought they told a good story. The problem is once you book, once you put on Monday, have them whoop. Alistair's ass, all three of them from um the from the club, and then you're making a no DQ match, and they're just at ringside. Everyone's sitting there like, when are they going to intervene? And they sit there not intervening. So it's almost like uh, it's almost like a iron iron person match where it's like, okay, like if unless the wrestling is incredible, I don't really care until the end of the match because we know we're waiting on the shoe to drop. When is the shoe going to drop? And then they're like trying to cheat without the referee looking, this and they won't get disqualified anyway. It's like their ass should have been in the back until right. they ran out like right. ten minutes into the match or whatever, and then be like, "Oh shit, Allison Black's in trouble now!" And then all of a sudden, Undertaker helps them get even. But this did not do anything for Alistair Black. This is like right. the Undertaker beats AJ Styles again, and, right? You know, and then commentary put it over like he just he just beat out he just beat AJ Styles. It's like. Like a lot of people beat AJ Styles. I've seen Jim Hall beat AJ Styles. Fuck no, out of here. But, like, I, but <laughs> I, I think my thing is like, like that's not no impressive win. Like the it uh, is, but it isn't because the Undertaker won the match for him. Yeah. It's just like how they're putting over how right now how they put how Drew McIntyre put over um, or put Brock Lesnar over the top rope. But it's like. Nah, bro. Like he got low blowed and then thrown out because like the only time you can ever get any any type of um ass whoopery on Brock is if you either steal him or kick him in the nuts and that's been consistent for like the last five six years in WWE like the only time anyone ever whoops his ass with a low blow whether it was Seth Rollins whether it was Undertaker it's it's 
it's it's it's that's what they do and then um they have to whitewash it on the back end and try to put over drew and like i feel like they're doing a good job with drew but we let's not we remembered this we saw this uh but yeah with aj it's like under came out and whooped his ass again okay all right so aj styles gonna 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 win at wrestlemania right i don't know i don't know i haven't even thought about it he probably isn't <laughs> how fucking dumb like Undertaker shows up to, it teleports to Saudi Arabia unannounced to, to drag this man he teleports then to Philadelphia to come out of nowhere and barely move like this, they cut the lights on and like Gallows and Anderson are on their knees being choked by him like they didn't do a move like they, these boys went out there and assumed the position so Undertaker <laughs> didn't have to move you know <laughs> Undertaker put two hands on the boys and then like rolled his eyes back. Undertaker spins around in three fourths of a circle, still with his pivot foot. He might as well have had a basketball in hand, and he catches AJ Styles out of you know midair and hits him with the choke slam, and then vanishes. Like (laughs) AJ Styles, if if he pulls up to WrestleMania and they're like, "Yeah, we want uh, the Undertaker up with the tombstone," AJ Styles should be furious. I mean, given given where we are with AJ and the fact that he's like refusing yeah, to do any flying, out. like I think he's like cool, whatever. The ca- the, the the check cat uh, clears right. I I think he just doesn't care. Like yeah. I'm gonna come out here. I'm gonna give you very. I'm gonna give you very well done professional wrestling that's low impact and low stakes. Um and whatever. I'm just gonna cash these checks. I I think he I think he's at that point of his career now. He getting them checks, AJ Styles. He hate to see it. I, look, man, like that. Whatever it is, what it is. Like, not everybody can come out here and, and do this at that level forever. Not everybody's willing to do that. Like the dude. Look, if you, what was it? What was the uh, the old Jay Z line? Uh, from um, uh, on to the next one. My old shit by my old album. Yeah. You 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 want to watch the old electric AJ Styles? You better tune into the WWE Network or, or or Ring of Honor or New Japan World or or whatever else or Impact whatever the fuck they got going on for their streaming if that even exists anymore. I don't know. I don't know. Does I wait? Does Jarrett own their streaming rights? If anybody's doing a uh, a washed up you slipping storyline, it needs to be AJ Styles and not no Daniel Bryan. <laughs> you know what AJ? You know what Daniel? You know what AJ Styles? I was thinking about this like. He is like post two thousand eleven Dwayne Wade, like he used to be fucking electric, and now is like nah, N- nah, <laughs> just no. Like I still all these, I I can still all these do all these other things at a high level, but like the fact that I've lost like my athleticism is hindering all the other stuff. Like it's hindering like my uh, my standing in the league amongst the the league's greats. Like he's at that point now, and good, you know, whatever. Like he's yeah. what forty? What now? Forty four? Forty three? He's forty two. Forty two? Whatever. At a holla at Tanahashi, you know. <laughs> but he doesn't but wrestle I, I, like Tanahashi. Better figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know or, who we really should go holla at, right? Who? Ray. Wow. Like. Ray still out here is flying excellent at his age, and he's older and has more mileage than even uh, AJ. He better go holler at him. Um, but yeah, after the match, what's the next match after? I don't even remember. Um, oh, okay, yeah. So it's a tag match. It's uh, the Raw tag match: Three Props versus um, Seth Rollins and uh, 
Buddy Murphy, or Buddy, sorry. Or, no, I'm saying Murphy. I'm not, it's, it's not Buddy. So, yeah, man, um, now that you've seen it, do you now believe, can you now believe why, like, Seth Rollins is, like, the least over he's ever been in WWE? Yo, this is like. <laughs> I told you on Monday. <laughs> it's jarring. It's like. Right. Anybody, like, like, why does anybody think this is a good idea? If you have a team with Seth Rollins and Buddy Murphy, you would think they could be a hell of a team right. whooping ass. Right and, and having good matches like they can be, you know, a not as good version of like the Broserweights or something like or or Kenny and Hangman or something. Right? But either way, you, like you expect those right? two together, and you expect to see great matches. In fact, we, I mean, look as a exciting worker from a tag team perspective. Don't you think Buddy Murphy, and given that we've seen him in, as an NXT champion and as a tag division, don't you think he'd make a <laughs> you know, like a tag team performer, he'd be better than than Dean Ambrose was, and we saw we saw Seth and Dean rip yeah. it up in all of 2017. It's weird. Yeah, um, yeah, it's um, it's crazy to kind of see how how that's uh, working out, and a lot of this, you know, you're also kind of waiting for Kevin Owens to come out. That's fair. I that's thought fair. that's fair. I, th- I thought um, like the crowd like was reacted to this like they didn't even care at all right uh, i thought uh montez four was a little sloppy like he was way too excited uh he was like overshooting and over jumping and it was just a lot um you know street powers gotta win but i mean yeah i, I guess you know it's it, it, it's something that happened like it was just a match yeah um do you think the crowd was just waiting their hands for kevin owens pretty much okay all right um yeah, it just it's weird. Like he, he's the only one that got a reaction. It was funny. I was talking to to Fenshaw again. He sent me a message. He was like, "I don't know if there's anyone." It's funny, like because I, I immediately answered AJ Styles to this. He's like, "I don't know if there's anyone that's more of a shell of them old their old selves than Seth Rollins on the main roster." <laughs> and I was it's fu- like, "It's funny that you say it's AJ because like two years ago when we were arguing about who had the better year between them, we were all like." AJ had a better year because he did and it's like now they're almost on the same level but it's like AJ fell further because he was up higher so the answer is right. AJ <laughs> right right and I, and I was like I was trying to pinpoint where Seth like passed like the point of no return I was kind of like it was somewhere between that Iron Man match when he had to wrestle Dolph Ziggler a zillion times and mm-hmm. then when they picked Roman over him despite what he did in the first half of the year like he laid it down ever since so mm. You know, and and he'll do like you know once a year he'll pull something out, but largely he's just like, you know, the the money's already been made. You know, like <laughs> those miles have already been paid for. Yeah. <clears throat> yes. Look, and I, I don't know, man. It's it's. And they're they're gonna ask me to get excited about Kevin Owens versus Seth Rollins, even though I saw that match a zillion times at the end of 2016, right? And I never wanted them to wrestle again. Right here and, we are, and another part of it is like I know it's I think it's because he's so good on the mic, but um, all the questions about like this person came in and was working at a certain level, and then like they have tailed off. Like you compare Kevin Owens' 2015-16 in let's beginning of seventeen to like what he's done post WrestleMania thirty three. There is a staunch, there is a gigantic uh, difference in the level of performance that we're talking about, and the same, and it's probably even more drastic within um, the AJ and Seth stuff we've been we've been talking about on the show. Like, it's like these guys come in here and like wrestle their ass off for a certain number of years, and then at a certain point it is like you know what, uh, 
that you almost like like we just talked about with Dean Ambrose. Like it's almost like that dude lost his will. Like he let go of the rope. And a lot of these dudes were looking at like people at the top of these cars are treated, yeah, you know, protected. Like they've been through these dog fights and these wars with Vince over the years, and you know, Vince eventually always wins. And by wins, I mean I've taken your will to love professional wrestling and wrestle as hard as you can because it all is going to lead it to a fuck finish. <laughs> yeah, like, oh, uh, yeah, yeah. And, you know, and the Street Profits to me, they didn't look. That impressive. It was like, well, I guess those guys will be an Andre Giant Battle Royal next month. So, <laughs> like, yeah. you know, I, I like the gimmick, but, you know, I don't know. They're it, over. It, Crowd likes them. It's just, you know, I don't, I mean, maybe, maybe, you know, it works out better when they're wrestling AOP and they're getting the shit beat out of them or, um, or War Raiders potentially, but, um, but it, this should have worked out. Like, <laughs> like with the level of wrestlers they were in there with, this should have worked out. It just didn't. I, I don't know why. Well, I, I, I was speaking more from uh, a storyline standpoint as opposed to um, like the actual in ring work. But yeah, you got a point. Um, next match after that, the Intercontinental three on one handicap match is Braun Strowman versus. Shinsuke Nakamura versus Cesaro versus Sami Zayn. The whole storyline is Sami Zayn has yet to get these hands. Sami Zayn is a hands. smart man. Yes. Uh, is he going to get these hands on on Sami Zayn? Um, and I thought from an execution standpoint of what the story of what the story was, I thought felt like they they executed it to a T. Um, was it something that was going to excite me? Of course not. It's a fucking three one handicap match. These are all ridiculous, but whatever. Sami Zayn is a smart man, and Braun Strowman is a big dumb. Right. Like, big dumb. <laughs> <laughs> like, Sami <laughs> Zayn finally wins his first title in the company. It, he had to have, had to, he had to have you know two other dudes with him to help him win. Like the, look, the long running Sami Zayn Braun Strowman feud continues. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah but- when I was watching this, mm-hmm. I was like, man, when Sami Zayn was in NAC, he had great matches with both of them dudes that's on his team. Man, all those dudes, I I wish we could see them have good matches still. Oh well. Yeah. Yeah, man. I don't really have much more to add other than and, to say. And it- yeah, I don't get it. I was like, Cesaro and Nakamura were just like cool with Sami Zayn getting the pin. Like there wasn't no type of like resistance or infighting, or it was just like, all right, he he beat him. So I I guess they're not all the champion. Only Sami Zayn is the champion. I don't know. I, I think it's like, look, man, we really look. It's all three of ours in a kind of champion. This is gonna keep. I'm just keep it over at my house. Like full on red from Friday. Maybe, like, maybe they were like, "We'll let Sami Zayn had a pin because eventually Braun Strowman gonna want that belt back, and he right. can go fight that dude, not me." <laughs> oh, he gonna come looking for you? That's like, yeah. okay. I mean, that's not that's not too bad either. But they didn't explain that. Obviously. Um, yeah, look at me I'm, trying to help the show. Right, like, <laughs> right. Don't, look, I'm glad I'm past that point of trying to like give it some logic. Like, nah, bro, ain't like. You'll see next week that logic that you just gave it don't even hold up. Nope, nope. they're not gonna use that. Um, yeah, so I, one thing I will say just before we leave off this, like it, it, it was kind of, um, it was sad for me to have seen Sammy win the Intercontinental title and like I felt nothing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like if you had told me in 2015 
that Sami Zayn was going to win his first singles title in WWE and you wouldn't give a flying fuck, James, I'd be like, there's no way. It's not possible. Like, not heel or face impossible. And flash forward, it is like, oh, okay, cool. I don't know, man. Like, I don't know what his contract situation is. I know he had the the double shoulder, shoulder, uh, shoulder, shoulder surgery thing um, or whatever else. So time is obviously added, but like, he needs to be looking at the fuck up out of there. Like, the dude's too talented. Like, even the pre-match promo he had just shows, like, he still has something left in the tank, in the, to paraphrase Mark Henry. And this manager shit, the dude's too talented of a wrestler to be doing this Bro, manager shit. This man was wrestling in, like, cargo sh- cargo pants. Yeah. Like, that yeah. man clearly doesn't give a fuck. Like, yeah. I don't... <laughs> yeah. Like, this man's wearing the, the Eminem is the greatest rapper of all time hat. To the ring. Like. <laughs> Get the fuck out of here. That's not, that is not, the, that is not the hat. Look, I'm sure that's a good descriptor. I find that more of a, of a, oh, you listen to Rage? You listen to Rage Against the Machine? Like, oh, okay. I, I see why you wear that hat. Like, that is one of those, yeah, uh, but yeah, you're, you're definitely, uh, that's, that's definitely one, a sect of, uh, of, of people that wear that hat. Is, like, very, very yes, yes. Um, yeah, I just it, it's just Nakamura a full parody at this point, bro. I was watching his interest last night, bro. He do you see like Sammy? Was, do you see Sammy lose it, it behind him during the interest? Like Sammy still, would, Sammy still, Sammy ain't let go of the rope yet. It's just they. He already knows where they, he look, is. He, he ain't let go, but they did. Huh? He ain't let go, but they did. Yeah, actually, they never grabbed on. Yeah, but yeah. Yeah, but Nakamura, like, that man dancing like he, like, used to dance good, like, 20 years ago or something like that. It's like an old dude that was, like, trying to show you the moves he had back, back you know, once yonder, you know, dude. when he was on Soul Train. This is how he used that, to get down, but Soul Train's gone now. That man, so- <laughs> that man is so done and so far into the parody of playing the stereotype. That man had not one, not two. Yes. Two of the Rising Suns. He had three Rising Suns on his gear i was like yo i fuck <laughs> god damn nakamura you go just you just you fine whatever you just whatever man whatever fine fine my god you look you can add nakamura to that it's just all the stuff wrong worker category just you know just add him to that right oh, there man. Was, <sighs> that the, was that the yeah that was, that was my man that was a death yeah. match. It's in my main. So let's let's get to it. The women's the raw women's contendership elimination chamber match. Um, the Ryan Squad collides. Yeah. <laughs> Allegedly. Uh, Sarah, Sarah Logan, Ruby Ryan, pay per view main eventers. Um like whatever, man. Whatever. I thought I thought it was a um I thought that it was a match that, uh, from a story standpoint, was strong. It made sense from a story standpoint, but from a viewer standpoint, of someone that wants to watch good wrestling, this ain't a match for you. Um, so no. you're someone caught in the middle where, like, is it? It's a lot of a lot of this with WWE, where it's like it's either or. Either you get either you get the story that makes sense and can lead to something that will they, eventually they'll fuck it up, or you get a good ass match that ultimately means nothing because it's, this don't want good wrestling matches that it leads towards you giving caring about people or whatever else or um, you'd actually give someone um, you know get interest behind somebody like to build momentum like Vince McMahon is funny 
like in real life, momentum is non-existent, but from a uh, story perspective, uh, like it is, and you can make it mean something. But Vince, even though he has all the control, decides, nope, I'm never going to use momentum. I'm rarely ever going to use it or use it in the right way. It's it's really interesting. So yeah, what were your thoughts on this match? Two star match. Um, I mean, Shayna Baszler massacres everyone. I wasn't really excited during it. They had these periods where she would clear the ring out and then wait for like three minutes until someone got in. I'm like, just open the fucking forbidden door, please. Like, can you can you just like bring the next one in there so they can get it? And then they did it like several times, and it was just like very boring the crowd didn't give a flying fuck um right because she's murdering people but she's murdering people no one cares about right like right. the only person they cared about at all was live because live is on tv compared to ruby or sarah or i mean honestly she murdered Nat- natalia and that was cool when she was like just bashing her head open with the door or her whole you know with the, with the door but like same thing is like all right like they're clearly i believe or not clearly but like i feel like paul Heyman's like fingerprints are on this because she kept beating women the same exact way v trigger or sorry uh to stormbreaker v trigger choke out stormbreaker v trigger tap out like or uh or choke out so it's like clearly they're branding this and these are her moves she's gonna put people away with and like how will becky deal with that and from a storyline perspective leading to wrestlemania that's fine that's good in fact but I blame all of this on Charlotte. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of that. Like they had to get her over super strong as well as they could. And for me, it's like, it doesn't really bother me that, uh, that she went over strong on Natalia in the riot squad. Like who gives a shit? But, um, I would have just liked to see a better match. I would have liked to have seen (laughs) her and off could be more competitive or, or going longer. Um, given that like we had to sit through all that bullshit and that's what it was leading to, like give us and like you know give us a mini match, you know give us a final two um in the Royal Rumble type of match uh or whatever else, and they tried to do that but like it it, it wasn't as impress it wasn't as impressive especially given that like Shannon just went through five people I'm sorry uh four people to get to Oscar Oscar's fresh out the cage and she you know um maybe the maybe the out is the fact that like she was working over her uh wrist and the wrist injury happened but it's like I just saw her go through two fucking segments with Oscar's pin eater yeah like nah that no if I see you go through too two- much of an overcorrection so now what, yeah. what, what it looks yeah. like is like she needs to squash Becky now because like if you can just dispatch four wrestlers and Oscar and like you know look like you didn't sweat like it seems like you should like get Becky the fuck out of here with especially with how goofy she's been acting lately she's probably gonna drop that in the lead up to try to sell the match but um it's just like she's so overpowered now. But you brought up Natalia, and we did not talk about something that we oh, need to shit. talk about. <sighs> okay, let's talk about it. So Natalia is cutting a promo earlier in the night. Yeah, it's My funny because God. it's funny because you're watching it live. I watched it on an hour, hour and a half delay. No, a two hour delay. And like I'm sending out texts while I'm watching. I get to it. I'm like. And I said the line, and you were like, "Yes, we've all talked about this already in this thread, James." I was like, "Well, all right, I, I guess it, I guess everyone heard this the same way." So go ahead. Yes, yes. So she first starts talking about Beth Phoenix and her taking the RKO and, and giving a health update, and she's so dramatic about it. Like, like Randy Orton not only hit her with the RKO, but he hit her with you know the AK forty seven as well. Like you know. 
like several shots and yeah. but somehow she survived and she's going to you know come back because she's a fighter and yeah then she and the most she cutting started- thing was the most cutting thing wasn't the fact that she injured uh beth and edge it was the fact that like he insulted them both as parents get the fuck out of here like <laughs> what the promo was horrible <laughs> But but, but go ahead, go to the go to the, the, the big part. The that was big, the first part. So Natty starts like trying to fire herself up somehow, and then talking about what she's going to do in the chamber, and then she says the line, and you guys all know the line I'm talking about before I even say it. She says that she is going to unleash her legacy. What the fuck does that mean? Okay, so. <laughs> Like, why this, are you going to turn to a cyborg Jim Neidhart and just start wrecking the competition? Like, this, what, what is this? Like, I don't. This line was so bad that it made people just like immediately go to. She's always been a terrible promo, no matter what in her whole career, and this is just like the the cap off of it. I'm just like, hey, bro, like. We had no, that we had the end of 2016 and early 2017 heel run on SmackDown, and I think that's still like the best woman's heel I've seen in WWE. So, like, let's chill on that. Like, when she was out there going doing that, um, you know, that not face to face, but like the the, 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 the the split screen promo with Nikki Bella and saying that like, if I wasn't married, I could have had John Cena, Nikki. Like, and you are going to die alone when John leaves you. Like, no, that was an incredible promo. So let's not say that she's a, some worthless promo that always has been. But this did her no favors. It didn't matter if John Cena was cutting his promo, if Daniel Bryan was cutting his promo, if Randy Orton was cutting his promo, if Sami Zayn was cutting his promo, if Kevin Owens cut his promo, or Johnny Gargano was cutting his promo. Cody Rhodes cut his promo. Jericho was cut his promo. It don't matter. Oscar could have cut his promo. It wouldn't have worked. It was fucking awful. No one could have saved this. It was stupid. Like this. Like, and this is coming from, like, I've been watching all elite wrestling <laughs> games. I've been watching a promotion that has the top four finishers and best talker like in the wrestling observer newsletter these are the promos like where i'm feeling like people are speaking from their soul or their heart they're like you know they got bullet points that they're allowed to put themselves in it mm-hmm. then i hear unleash my legacy i'm like fire everyone get them all out of here pack their shit put it in the truck throw them off the bridge like stan <laughs> you know and unfortunately this is going to never change like the blueprint, Jay Z, <laughs> but this is like oh it's such a damning, like you know, indictment on their promos. This was terrible. Yeah, um, it was really, um, it was really poor. Uh, it, it was all the things that we hate about WWE promos when they're at the worst, um, and this was at its worst. Um, so yeah, I. It, it, the only thing you can say is like, at least the match was better, but not much better. <laughs> like when it went out there, threw mid out there, um, and it was fine. Uh, when they threw mid, like I will say, I will give um shout out to to live for um taking getting boshed <laughs> between the cage and uh the plexiglass deal uh when Shayna was murdering her. But outside of that, like there's really not much to talk about. Um. Shayna got the same problem like NXT when she killed them crowds at the takeover. People on the main roster right now, the main roster crowds just staring at her right now. Yeah. Yeah, like this was supposed to get you to care and maybe, you know, maybe um you know, I at this point 
they need to have her go out there and have another match with Asuka and have them go through, you know, the match they were supposed to have two weeks ago and have them have that match again um, and have her, like, you know, beat her clean. Um, They'll try to build... Because, you know, there's only so many women that have, like, real credibility with the crowd, and that's, like, Becky, Charlotte, Asuka, um, and... That's really it right now. So she can wrestle. She already fought Kyrie. She can't fight anybody else that's in the elimination chamber or the match will come out. Right. So it, all that leaves is Oscar. Right. So Oscar's gonna be out here left exactly. holding the bag just like last year too. Yeah. Right before WrestleMania. Oscar's the Braun Strowman of women. Like she's the person <laughs> that can knock them down for to, to have somebody beat to get them over to whether it's Charlotte. Whether it's Shayna oh now, God. whether it's Becky, <laughs> she just got done putting Becky over. So, like, you know, that, that that's how Oscar's being treated here. So, I, I mean, mean, come on, man. This I'm, is like... from Okay, so there is this per- the perspective of, like, she might be the top promo in the company. Why not speaking a lick of fucking English? <laughs> or not speaking almost no English? Like, I, I'm not going that far, but... <laughs> <laughs> I enjoy. Okay, maybe I'm tripping, but I I tell you right now, I enjoy nothing more than like the few times I do watch main roster TV is like when Asuka gets a mic and she basically starts cussing motherfuckers out in Japanese. I enjoy enjoy the shit out of it. Like, parts, probably like the second or third best thing in the chamber match uh, last night between them was Asuka behind the cage getting mic'd up, just just fucking going through histrionics and shouting. Like, I, I, I found it like slightly compelling like would I rather watch her wrestle hell yeah but in lieu of that it was entertaining to me but uh I mean I'm trying to think of uh we went through it like the first two matches were uh matches that I recommended people to check out and watch and show you like this company still you know can do things and it's funny because like the matches that that stuck out and were the two best matches of the night were like the two least WWE matches like you had us you had like a a regular a normal pace lucha match and you had like people out there on the mat wrestling and selling like the wares of of you know the combat what do you know like it doesn't have to be formulaic Hey man, shout out to the people that was coming up with the change form petition form to get Becky versus Shane on the pre-show. Y'all made what? me laugh. Yes, motherfuckers whipped up with change petition form to put them on the pre-show. It's not that serious. <laughs> <laughs> it's just really not. Um, suck. um Yeah, I um I mean I will say this, like uh if you were trying to build interest in WrestleMania, like this was not the show to put on to get you to say, well, they just did this. I can't wait to see what they did at WrestleMania. Cause like, well, first off, like most people that are in big matches aren't even on the fucking car. Randy Orton was nowhere to be found. <laughs> so, uh, neither was, neither was Roman. Neither was drew. Like this was clear. This was a full on B team pay-per-view. They didn't even pretend. Yeah. Like, yeah. Charlotte was nowhere to be found either. well, <laughs> gotta, uh, gotta, 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 you know, keep her, keep her tucked away. Yes. Yeah, so, um, so yeah, I mean, I, it's just a thumbs in the middle show. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't give it a thumbs up or a thumbs down. It's just in the middle. It's the mid, the mid, the mid. So, yeah. so yeah, there yeah. you go. Um, so yeah, I, uh, I guess from there, um, now that we've talked about the show for an hour and eight minutes or so, um, server award. I forgot about that. We can we can talk about the observer awards. Uh, let's do let's do stardom first and then the observer awards. All right. 
So um, Stardom had No People Gate, but before we talk about No People Gate, you already know what we got to do first. James, hit the music! <laughs> Okay, so no people gate. Um, Stardom's Corican Hall show that was meant for the beginning of uh, March um, because of concerns due to the coronavirus uh, and you know spreading, they decided to do an empty arena show. Um, and you know, as a byproduct of that, they decided like it's for no. There's no gate. All right, we'll call it no get people gate, and then we will throw out a, a lineup that like we were we weren't expecting to draw like even nine hundred people with this card. Um, so, um, I, I know you. I, I know you said you fell asleep while in the middle of watching it or whatever. Uh, yeah. But um, what do you? But the match you did see. Uh, what do you think of the battle royal? <laughs> I was dying laughing during it. <laughs> um, just. I don't know who the like. I forgot what her name was. She had like the blue gear on. She was like older. Oh not... yeah, uh, I think it's Momo Nakanishi. She's a former um, All Japan Women's Champion from like the era that like Nanai Takahashi was around. She was like going around and just surviving and yes. doing like the whole match. Uh, you got you know Lil Saya, and she has multiple <laughs> personalities. Apparently, she's running in a super strong machine, which is always amazing. And um, Captain, Cap- Captain Stardom. What the fuck? Like, <laughs> just, just fucking hilarious. Um, they were all in like a huge, like I think it was like they like a head tri- triangle, short triangle choke, like all the way across the ring, and then they were getting flipped over. Bitch, I was hollering like, <laughs> like just, just foolishness upon foolishness. And I forgot it was a uh, battle royal to start. Really? Um, yeah. So I was just like, oh, okay, cool. And then like the first person runs out, and I'm like. Oh, yeah, that's right. It's a battle royal. And then um, it's a fucking hilarious atmosphere. Uh, they actually have commentary. Like, Liger was on commentary. And yes. who else with Liger? Um, I'm not sure. But throughout the night, like, they had the Momo, um, Momo Nakanishi come out and pitch in for certain matches. They had um, Yoko Bito pitch in for certain matches. Yoko Bito is... So funny in- thing, like... But... Uh, Yoko Bito is a was also in the first class of Stardom rookies with like um, Arissa and um, and um, Mayu. She uh, she left after a certain number of years and then came back. And when she came back, she got a white belt run and was in a tag team with um, Kyrie called uh, By Ho. Like she's one of the best performers. Like she's a she's a Stardom Hall of Famer if there was a such thing. Um, uh, but like she was always somebody that was primed or picked kind of handpicked to be like a star bigger than Mayu but Mayu just broke through um because you just can't deny that kind of talent so the um <clears throat> funny thing I saw with Def Yamasan doing her full entrance with no people there <laughs> and just dab 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 and then I was disappointed that Saki Big Saki or Big Saya excuse me mm-hmm. didn't hit the dance on the way to the <laughs> ring I, I was I was wondering where the dance was, you know. Like it's it's funny. Like she changes factions, and like 
she hasn't changed her gear yet. So she's coming out and she has like the QQ mask on, the Queen's Quest mask on, mask on, but everything else is still this big ass like like tutu skirt uh, pants thing she's wearing and, and the, the, like the 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 white silver pink and and lime green and just like yo you ain't changed you ain't changed nothing yet like you you come like you just all right whatever like we'll see what happens over time but it's like you ain't getting no new gear yet it's been weeks um yeah. so she started putting people away though like she started like yeah, hitting people did. with a bunch of finishers until she was out of there yeah um one thing you mentioned the uh it was you, fun though. Yes, it was. It was a fun match. I, I, from my perspective, I'm like, I want y'all to go out here and have like a match better than the Royal Rumble, and then like you see how fast everyone's coming out between entries. Like it's like it feels like it was like one minute or forty five seconds between each uh, entrant coming out. So he's like, there's no way you're gonna give people time to do you know whatever you need to do to have a great match. But they had a they had a really fun comedy match, and that's what it should all be be taken for. Uh, there was like one moment of really good wrestling in the, on that in that match. Now was when they had um, Konami, who's now in new gear, is incredible, and Tam, and they were going out there just having a strike exchange, yeah. and that was awesome. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> uh, did you get a sense of like you know how many people were watching this show? Because I thought I saw like nine thousand like live viewers at one point, ninety six hundred or something. Um, I didn't did- watch the app from my phone. I watched it from. Um, um, I watched it from the Roku, so like gotcha. I didn't have like the live stuff up, but I will say that I'm surprised that like I saw the viewership of it late uh, recently. Let me look at it again real quick. Uh, what, was there any feeling of like, all right, don't embarrass me? That's that's <laughs> oh, 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 oh. <laughs> okay. So all right, this is what I will say. Um, yeah. So right now it has 126 views. Uh, 126,000 views, which is like on par with like a low level being the elite, which is like for me staggering considering it was like this is wrestling behind a this any this woman's any wrestling behind a paywall in Japan. This shit shouldn't begin views like this, other than people that have heard the reps in the names of EO and Kyrie, and like they respect that kind of um, and you know, even Riho, for example, because she's in stardom, but you know, she does bits and stardom or whatever. I was like, I think a lot of this is, you know, the rep that stardom has had that they can get a free, you know, quote unquote pay-per-view show. And from some of the stuff I've seen of it, people have enjoyed the show, which I found shocking because like, I'm comparing it to previous Corkins and like, this is like the worst Corkin since like the Cinderella tournament last year and last. So like literally last April, yeah, people this, is like the la- this is like the worst show overall. So it's like, if people really enjoy this, then like, I hope they sign on because you're going to see a lot better wrestling than what you even saw here. Um, and that, that was kind of my hesitation when we went to New York was like, look, I know they're good. Are right, they going to come out here and bring it? And luckily at the end they did. Uh, so I'm always like, I enjoy this. Don't embarrass me. So I was like that throughout the whole time. Do not embarrass me. Do not come out here and put out this fucking mid ass show. And they put out a good show, but it wasn't great. And like their last few, uh, Corgan Hall shows have been flat out great. So I, I was like, all right, are people going to be like, well, this is like any other good wrestling, but people were really into it. So from response. So I, I'm happy. They come out here and embarrass me. Thank you, Rossi. Thank you. Mayu. Thank you. Everyone else. Um, but yeah, uh, what was I going to say? Yeah, I, I thought when when Def Yamasan came out and like did the Death thing in front of Liger and then Liger does it too. I, I, how like Liger was Liger was like the MVP of the show, like this or the, like the uh, what do you call it, the unsung hero. Like his enthusiasm, he was so happy to actually be calling this shit. And like 
I thought it was, I thought he added to the show as far as like broadcast perspective from it's an empty arena, but like his energy and the uh, the other announced crew's energy like helped add to the show. So um, at the end of it, the the final three were um, Little Saya, Azumi, and uh, Momo Nakanishi, and um, Azumi and Momo end up getting caught up on the apron, and then um, Saya, who is I think super deaf Starlight Machine at the time, yes, that's what she was, uh, ends up clearing both of them while they're both hanging off of the rope, yeah, and she Azumi wins. A big fall. Yes. Um, yeah, the training was off. Like I, I'm <laughs> like before uh, when, at the beginning of last year, she was like, I'm not gonna do any you know crazy bumps or anything stupid like that. And then like since since pretty much everything changed once she got into the Grand Prix. It's like, look, man, this is this is what it's gonna take to have good matches to to showcase her, and um, that's where she is now. Like, um, I wonder what they're gonna do with Starlight now that she's graduated from high school. Congratulations, <laughs> Starlight kid. <laughs> I wonder what she, well, I wonder what they're gonna do with her as far as uh, um, what their track is for her because they've always had a they always thought highly of her or higher of her than Azumi, um, but I think Azumi has surpassed her, so we'll see. Um, but it, it was funny that Starlight had the or Starlight Kid had the spot in the match uh, where she comes out after uh, Saya comes back as Captain Stardom, which is like yeah. ridiculous. So they're like, "Man, this is Captain Stardom, this is fucking Saya. Take this mask off!" And they're in the rows trying to get the, <laughs> take the mask off. And then like Starlight Kid comes out and, and makes a save for her because like mass wrestlers saves mass wrestlers. I appreciated that. Um, but yeah. Uh, but we'll see. So as and far every as promotion should have a captain promotion, that, <laughs> Cap- and multiple captain people, elite. yes, that can, multiple people can don the mask or like a super strong machine. Oh it could be God. anybody. Like a running gimmick, a running gag. Yeah. I mean, it be okay. Fair enough. Yeah. That sounds like some shit that's, that's happened in like some indie promotion. That sounds like some shit that would happen in like Shikara or something like that. So um, like the the one with New Japan is like super strong machine. It was like Andre Giant was like giant machine uh, out there back in the day. Uh, there were like during uh, super strong machines retirement match, like Tanahashi was dressing as like you know a machine, and there was like a five on five, and it was like all current wrestlers like had the the machine mask or whatever. Ridiculous! I love I love that type of shit. <laughs> wow! All right, so. Um, after after Saya slash or little Saya slash super starlight I'm sorry super strong starlight machine uh, wins she challenges Nascotora. Um, Nascotora was meant to be in um, a white belt match against um, Arissa, but apparently Arissa came up that day with um, with severe neck pain, so they told her to stay home. Um, hope she gets gets well soon. Um, she was gonna win this match anyway, so it didn't really matter. Uh, so. Nasco comes out and she pretty much does like a four or five minute squash on on little Saya and wins and like I think a lot of people that haven't seen her rust before like they thought that she looked like a star so that's cool like um we'll see whenever she gets her match but I don't think that's gonna be a good match and like that star aura will be gone but we'll see. Hey, um, I just hope Arissa's is okay. Yeah. Like I need Arissa to be upright and healthy, and I need her to beat Nasco, and then I need her to eventually transition this belt in a great match to someone, whoever it is, whatever. Or she can just get healthy and continue to have matches, whichever one's fine with me. But like, it was weird because like there was no, there was no sign that this match wasn't happening until the matches didn't happen. Like they 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 could have given us a heads up or anything. Like this flat out flat fat herbs is um 
false advertising because they were still promoting that show up to 12 hours before the uh, that match for 12 hours before the show so yeah, like I I noticed it in the comment section during like the battle royal. People were like, "No Arissa, no Arissa," like all, over and over. And I was like, "Huh, I wonder what that means." But, um, yeah. Yeah. um, but I mean, I will say this: like the match I was probably most worried about, as far as showing to people that don't watch Stardom or never watched Stardom, was that match between those two. So the fact that like those two didn't come out here and have some fifteen minute two star match, like fine by me. Um, so. After that, you end up getting the, uh, you end up getting um, Hannah Kimura and Jungle Kiona versus uh, Micah and Julia, and this match was better than I thought it was going to be. I thought this match was just going to be a standard, good match, a regular three star thing. Um, it turned out to be a lot better. Um, I think that Julia and Hannah have now come to the realization that them together, they have something when they just brawl each other, and they just, you know, trade kicks and, and strikes with each other and scream in the middle of the ring and run, run ropes or whatever else, and them trying to actually do Bret Hart's professional wrestling is not for them. So, uh, I think mm-hmm. they're, I think, <clears throat> I think they're learning, uh, very well. I thought that um, Micah's work on Jungle's, uh, bad shoulder in Jungle selling was excellent, and I thought that that made for a very good match. So um, so it's like Shawn Michaels versus Rick Martel, but except they instead of them not wanting to punch each other, they do want to punch each yes, other. Yes, it's bizarro. I want to punch each other in the face. Yes, um, and you and like they weren't really get, like it's believable. Like you can see, you can believe it's very easy to believe that they hate each other's guts, even though obviously they don't. It's it's a pretty, work. pretty girl heat. <laughs> I guess so. I guess so. Yeah. Uh, so that, that that worked out very well. Um, Jungle surprisingly, I thought Jungle was just going to be in this match. You get a pin eater, be a pin eater because they um they have pushed uh the tag team of Julia and Micah and you know also the DDM uh, trios uh, when they had uh, Shuri like very hard. I don't think they've lost once yet. Uh, so or up until tonight uh, on Saturday night. So. I thought I was kind of surprised and pleasantly surprised that Jungle ended up beating um, Micah. Um, now they don't have translations up, so I'm not sure what was said after the match. But Jungle got and Mike and seemed to have challenged um, Julia. So I think they're gonna have a match, and you know you put Jungle in there with anybody, and it's gonna be really good at the worst. So um, I, I, I'm interested to see that match. No doubt. Yeah. So. Next match after that, you get the match I thought was going to be the best match in the card, and it turned out to be the best classic match. Uh, you end up getting the tag team title match of B and Jamie versus uh, Momo and Utami, and they just went out there and had the match you thought they were going to have, just running and hitting and, um, and suplexes and throwing and kicks. It was awesome. Um, I don't know if I'm... Get- I might go the full four on it. I might go the full four. I'm not sure though. I have to rewatch it. But um, they went out there and did their thing. Um, the standard match, standard Utami and Momo match. Like they never have bad tag matches ever. So um, it just continues that. Um. So after the match, they ended up um, having B pin Momo with the uh, Queen's Landing, the Japanese Ultra Cyclone Suplex. Um, so after the match, Big Saya comes out because now she's in Queen's Quest and, and decides that she, because Utami didn't get pinned, 
she wants to make a new tag team of Utami and Big Saya, uh, and have them challenge for the tag titles. And then, so the sisters of destruction. <laughs> it's funny because uh, John from John from Omakase dubbed it as uh, the Twin Towers. So, so, so it's, it's pretty much the same thing. You just, just just tall people just going at it. So yeah, that's funny. Um, but there, Momo in I'm sorry, not Momo, but B in. Jamie are incredulous. Like B is gets on the mic and says, "We just beat you, and you want to challenge us with her? Fine, we'll whoop your ass, no problem." So that's setting it up. So that's gonna be. I think that's gonna be a really good match when they have it eventually. Like um, Utami and Jamie, they're they're really good together. They just throw each other around. So that's cool. Um, and then the main event. Main event. Um, <laughs> non-title match. Mayu Utani versus. Saki Kashima, Saki comes out. She finally has new gear. She finally is not dressing like Nasco uh, from last year. She has her own gear. She has her own look. Nice, nice looking outfit. Um, all black, of course, because she's evil now. Um, Mayu comes out, and Mayu, you know, typical Mayu stuff she does. She comes out. She has two wristbands on. She goes to the rope. She takes off one of the wristbands. She goes to throw into the crowd like always. When she takes off the wristband, she comes to the realization, oh shit, ain't no people. What am I going to do? She looks, she looks and sees way to the far corner, Liger in the announce table. Points at Liger. She makes, she throws the, the wristband all the way into the crowd, or all the way to Liger. Liger catches it. Liger is fucking so excited that he caught this thing. He's so happy. It's, 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 I don't know why this made me happy, but like the fact that he was so giddy that that he caught this thing is like he's such a mark for Mayu. It's awesome. So, um, they they start wrestling, and then it turns into uh, a lumberjack match. But plus, like this is at worst the second best lumberjack match I've ever seen, which means like this is the second good lumberjack match that's ever existed. So, <laughs> <laughs> like, um, and. They um pretty much the whole story is Mayu is clearly better than her. She's kicking her ass at every turn. But Oedo ties out there with with stars, and they're bigger and they're evil, so they're better at interference and and cheating when someone gets thrown out the ring than stars. Um, so real quick note before we go further, when we talk about Mayu's entrance, we always talk about. Uh, we talk about the the wristband being thrown. We all the main thing is she's twirling in, in amongst the streamers, uh, and that's that her was thing. one thing about the show: no streamers. Ah, except because you missed this, yeah. Tam, because Tam loves Mayu so dearly, and Starlight Kid because Ditto. They both had cannon blasters of streamers, and when Mayu's name got announced, they shot them into the air for Mayu to, to do her to do her 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 thing, which made me all think right. like, see. This is this people in a faction is caring about each other, what being real people that love each other, whatever else, and then eventually there's a turn. This like, is a real friendship. So like, right. so next week on One Nation Radio, James, I'm gonna need you to throw some streamers in the air once you announce me. <laughs> so so we're so we're actually gonna like do the do the show like together for once. <laughs> Like we, I think we've only done it like one, one or two times, like the last like couple years. So like, if, if that's you want to do, find out me. You just gotta give me a time, and I'll just come through. But that's you know, it's whatever. Like maybe you know what? 
Maybe, maybe I can. Maybe, maybe I can holler at um at Josh and see if he still has stream streamers left over from from, 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 from SuperCard of uh of of Honor Twelve in New Orleans when he bought all those streamers and then he found out how far away you were. So they may have like twenty bucks worth of streamers just in a just in a damn bag that he couldn't do shit with. Him. I think he threw them way halfway through the show. I, 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 if not, he might still have it. So let me go holler at Josh. Um, but yeah, so. Um, so like I said, flash forward back to the to the match. Um, the Oedo ties better at cheating, so they end up outside the ring, and then um, Mayu said, "I've had about enough of this." So she does her a top rope dive into the crowd. The problem is the crowd catches her because she's so slight and, and skinny, and then they decide to take her up the ramp to the typical uh, second uh, the tunnel way in um, in Corrigan. Um, it leads to a, a dive off the uh, balcony deal or the staircase deal or whatever else um, from Mayu onto the crowd of people. But Saki wasn't there. So as soon as Mayu gets up from that dive, she hits her with a chair. <laughs> uh, and then um, she takes her all the way to the top, to the to the back part of uh, Cork and Hall, and then just kicks her down the stairs, um, down one flight of stairs. And then Mayu keeps tumbling all the way through the walkway and then tumbles down yes. the second flight of stairs all the way down to the floor right by Liger's announce table. It was hilarious. So uh, then they get back into the ring and Saki's working her over and then Mayu comes back and ends up giving her a uh, a <laughs> um, a running powerbomb over the top rope onto the crowd, up onto the Lumberjacks um, and then they get get her back to the, the ring. The running three. Yes, the running three. Uh yeah, pretty much. Uh, so, and Mayu's been. It's 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 so funny to see like someone that skinny like power bombing people, running power bomb people. But anyway, so get her back to the ring, and then Mayu clearly has the match won. It's just a matter of what she's gonna pin her with. So she goes for goes for a um, I believe it's a frog splash. Gets the frog splash. Um, <laughs> we end up getting uh, the ref gets pulled out the ring at one point. There's two different refs. There's two different ref spots. Uh, rough bump spots or whatever else, but none of it matters. Mayu at the end just kills her. Just super kick, high kick. Saki goes down to a knee. Another, another. I'm sorry, I forgot to say this. Basically, it's four kicks, and all of them are just devastating between head kicks and super kicks, and just lays her out, just murders this woman. Um, I think that's when we get the last ref bump, and then Mayu says, "I've had enough." Just hits her with a, uh, a moonsault and or dragon or sorry dragon suplex and then a moonsault and calls it a day. Um, just just uh, just just beats the shit out uh, out of Saki. Like Saki got whooped in a way that was like if Cody had whooped MJF like this, we would say like MJF got to leave promotion. He's done. He's done in this town. He'll never he'll he should never beat another person. Like he beat she beat the shit out of Saki. So. Um, Mayu celebrates in her normal, uh, you know, and gets on the mic. And normally, when um, you know, she wins at the end of a show, she grabs, gets on the mic, and she yells, "Cork and Hall, good evening!" And the crowd chants back, "Good evening!" So crowd's empty, of course. So she goes, "Cork and Hall, good evening!" And then fucking Liger, as loud as he can, at the top of his lungs, shouts back, "Good evening!" <laughs> And it reverberated around all of Corrigan Hall. And then, like, Mayu starts laughing and says, thank you, uh, Liger-san. And then, you know, I, obviously I can't tell anything else from now. I don't speak ja- uh, Japanese. But um, she got the rest of uh, Stardom, or Stars in the ring and then signed off. And that was the end of the show. Um, like I said, this was a fun show. 
Um, and I think, you know, for some, for people that have never seen Stardom, you can see that like they get, they did all this stuff in the two hour show it was light. It was breezy. It was fun. And if you're someone that's like, I want, you know, you're a person that's hunting for match of the year candidates and, or great matches or whatever else, four star match, that sort of thing. Like if you tune in and watch Stardom and see the next Cork and Hall thing, you will get three of those. Um, this is just a special, uh, circumstance, uh, given what was going on. Um, actually, well, I take that back. Uh, next Corican is the Cinderella tournament. It, that's ten minute time limit matches, so I don't know how it's going to turn out. But like the typical Sardom Corican Hall show is like you get like three great matches. So, um, for those that enjoyed it, there's they do better than even this. So, check it out. It is. Yeah. So you say you want to talk about the Observer Awards, right? Yes, sir. So uh, the Wrestling Observer Awards dropped. I know last show we said we were going to talk about it. We ran out of time. So here we will go through uh, the winners and just, you know, our various thoughts mm-hmm. on them. So the Luther Ric Flair Wrestler of the Year Award. Uh, number three was Will Ospreay. Number two, Kazushi Okada. And number one, Chris Jericho. That's why I voted for Um Big business in multiple countries. First champion of AEW. Still wrestling at a good enough level. Best promo in the business. And now Jericho turned the clock back. Just made me feel so happy this year. And he's 49 years old. He's the oldest winner uh, ever. Yeah, I have no disagreements with this. Um, You know... Other people that had claims for it have things that are in the way, like Okada. This was this was a very. Um, I mean, obviously, we're, we're he's at the LeBron level now, where it's like any year he can win the shit. So therefore, like <laughs> now we're just like looking for other people. But like this was um, this is like a pretty standard Okada year. This was anything like his 2017 or 18 year. Um, you look at Osprey. Osprey was the best wrestler in the world in the ring, but. He still was so much of a junior and wasn't put in positions to draw on top to where, like, he was just the ultimate luxury in all the professional wrestling this year. But he wasn't somebody that you say, like, he carried the company because he absolutely did not. Um, And then you look at Jericho, and Jericho, you know, between the stuff in New Japan and the stuff in... um, All all the wrestling, from, uh, from the cruise ship stuff, like... He was the biggest draw in professional wrestling this year. Um, and once you throw in like the the quality of the television he did week in week out, the work he was doing as a facilitator to help get other acts of whether it was the Scorpio Sky stuff, or the Darby Allen stuff, or um, getting you know helping spotlight and showcase people like uh, Guevara and giving you reason to actually care about uh, Hagger or helping get over how how tough Thug and Ruffian are in Ortiz and um, <laughs> in Santana. Like he got him, he got a faction over. Um, like he he's did a great job uh, at the end of the year, and like I, you know, um, it 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 was him. It just had to be him. So round out the uh, top ten, we had Cody at number four. Adam Cole at number five, uh, the only WWE or NXT person that made a top ten appearance. Mm-hmm. Kenzo Miyahara, Kota Ibushi, John Moxley, Roshi Tanahashi, and number ten, Kenny Omega for you know his terrible year where he ruined his career and just was completely not the same. Oh, just a number ten finish in wrestler's year. Um, 
four guys from AEW, looks like four guys from New Japan, and you know All Japan and NXT right there. So uh, that's how the uh, awards broke down there. Yeah, um, I mean, I would I would quibble about. Um, I would quibble about Adam Cole in 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 Cody switching spots, but that's just from a flat out work rate perspective. As far as a character standpoint, Cody killed him. So it, I've, I've seen this even like where where Adam Cole kills him in the ring, Cody kills him as a performer, uh, as far as a a character. So I think I feel like it's kind of a wash between those two. You could flip flop either one depending on what what you prefer in your wrestling. So we got our most outstanding. This is strictly the work rate. Um, we got number three, Kota Ibushi. Number two, Will Ospreay. Excuse me. Number two, Kazusuke Okada. Number one, Will Ospreay in a runaway landslide. Yeah. Like, most legendary year you're ever going to find. Um, wrestled in every tournament under the sun. You you couldn't, like, he had to cheat code. He had the G1, the best super juniors, and various super matches, you know, all in, yep, and all other various matches in between. Tokyo Dome, Dominion, uh, he he was he was the one. Like as soon as you heard that, dun, 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 it was it was on. Like, yeah, yeah. I so, mean, um, this was this was uh, this was one that was undisputed. Like we, I remember um, saying to you, like halfway, maybe it was like after best super junior, maybe sometime. I was like, dude, it feels like he's on pace to have like a better year than any Kenny year. And I remember you initially like scoffed, and then like as stuff just added up, it just kind. Of, I mean, even you were just like. Yeah, he's 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 on some other shit right now. <laughs> so so yeah, uh, yeah, he's he's. I mean, um, I'm I'm kind of surprised that uh, Abushi ended up over um, um, Ishii, Ishii or but Shingo. I'm, but I'm assuming, but I'm assuming it has to do with the fact that uh, you know you have the big the the biggest match of the you know the grand the G1 final and that like in people's minds like is bigger than anything that Ishii did, even though I you know. I think Ishii was issued with my number three pick. So rounding out the top ten, uh, Shingo Takagi number four, Ishii number five, Johnny Gargano number six, Ray <laughs> Phoenix number seven, Kento Miyahara number eight, Adam Cole number nine, and the man that ruined his own career by coming to America, Kenny Omega. Dude, you said Ken? You said that Johnny finished sixth? Yeah. He finished six. He only wrestled fifteen matches on TV this year or last year. <laughs> God damn, you good? <laughs> it's finishing for the call. <laughs> Look, I, I don't know. I think, actually, no. He finished seventh, but it's listed incorrectly. He's still okay. finishing from the call. Uh, Ray Phoenix had three hundred twelve points, and they have him on number seven. Johnny had two hundred eighty four, and they had him at six. My point, either way, is it's still fucking wild Strange. that he, he still finished top ten, and he only handled fifteen matches. Hey, like he wasn't he wasn't fucking around. He was not, but still, it's still like yo, he like. Th- I wonder well, if anyone's ever finished top ten with that with that little amount of matches in a year. I wonder. Let's see. So I ain't looking through all that. That's a, that's a long ass uh, dive. No, thank you. So it looks like we've got one, two, three, four, five guys from New Japan. We got two from NXT, two from AEW, and one from All Japan. How many from the main roster? Zip, zilch, none, nada. Oh, oh. yeah, none of that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I didn't. I, I didn't mention this on air because uh, this was a thing we talked about on. Um, 
um, in a thread. But for those that are like that, you know, just trying to follow and try to keep pace of, you know, what match do I need to check out from a perspective of if I don't, I feel like parachuting in on uh, promotions or whatever else. Cage match. Uh, we talked about this at the end of the year with um during, with Imp during the 2019 WWE NXT AEW uh, review stuff and talked about like how much better like wrestling is on the network than it is the main roster, which makes no sense or shouldn't make any sense. And we had mentioned that like there were 198 recommended matches on Cage Match in all of WWE and 95 from the main roster last year. This year, between in the first two months of the year, just February and January, the main roster has had six recommended matches, and the network has had twenty three. Yeah, it's somehow got, it's getting even worse. So I just wanted to point it out, and we can move on to the next thing. So Will Ospreay, just for more context, he had five matches like in the Observer that were five stars or better, mm-hmm. and another seventeen rated four and a half or better. Damn, that's wild. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna skip the MMA awards. Uh, Tag team of the year. So we, um, number three, we got Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly. Number two, the Young Bucks, and number one, Pentagon and Phoenix for their work. Mm. Just all year, so like that, taking that half of the year off kind of looks like it did the Bucks in, um, and they they got their they won best tag team. It looks like one, two, three, four, five previous years were the Young Bucks. So big uh, upset here, and you know seeing not seeing the Bucks at the top. So Pentagon and uh, and Phoenix number one, kind of by a wide margin here. Hmm. Um. I'm assuming that's because of their work um, in Elsewhere, in Mexico, right? Yeah. Has to be, uh, and also uh, PWG, Mexico, Indies, yeah. AAW, PWG, yeah. wherever you could yeah. set up a ring, they was out yeah, here. Pretty much, so. they out here. <laughs> them boys get dates. <laughs> it yes. don't matter. Like every every week is WrestleMania week for them. Like they're crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't really, I don't really have much of a the uh, yeah round and round. Yeah. Round out of the top ten, number four, Santana and Ortiz. Mm. Five, Suwama and Shuji Ishikawa. Don't know who those gentlemen are, unfortunately. Uh, I know someone's probably screaming Wait, at what's the... the uh, what's the name of the man? Suwama and Shuji Ishikawa. I, I can't remember what... I can't remember. Noah, All Japan, one of those two. Um, <laughs> then we got G.O.D. And then uh, we got Go Shiozaki and Kat Suhiko Nakajima. Then we got... Um, Frankie Kazarian, Scorpio Sky, SCU, number eight, excuse me, number nine, Will Osprey and Robbie Eagles, and number 10, the Briscoes. Mm. Honorable mention, Ricky and Robert Gibson. That's hilarious. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> New, New Day were also honorable mention, so wow. we're showing you up. Wow. I'm the Viking Raiders. Wow. <laughs> so, best on interviews. Number three, MJF, number two, Cody, and number one, by a wide margin, kind of, Chris Jericho. So, like, pretty much what we said about Jericho, you know, at the top of uh, the heap, like, he was just the man everywhere you can look. So, um, number four, uh, Cody and MJF, like, those guys, like, you know, had great years also, as, mm-hmm. you know, on interviews. Like, Cody has a uh, all-time highlight real promo that, that he did. Of course, you know, on top of, you know, the uh, the speech man promos that he's been doing, like in the video pieces and uh, things like that. Do you, how, much do you think, how much do you think Cody stuff got hurt by um, 
like it not being on TV and it being like Rotu stuff. I don't think it got hurt really okay. at all because okay. a lot of Jericho stuff was there too. So okay, um, okay, because the thing is not, like the stuff not as much, but right, right. I think the thing for me just in my mind is like. I remember everything that I remember all the Jericho stuff, right? But like Cody had, you know, the Ellis Island promo. Any the other one that's notable is like the Road Two thing for for um, I'm talking about getting into of the past. Uh, mm-hmm. Talk get to uh, double or nothing with uh with his brother. So yeah. I was wondering like if you know that got hurt because people just didn't see that one or whatever else or, or whatever. But like I thought it was I thought those were the top two people. I would have went with Jericho, but I you know. The best promo I saw last year was Ellis Island. So, you know. Um, number three is MJF. So, shout out to him. Number four, uh, John Moxley. Number five, Zack Sabre Jr. Number six, Nick Aldis. Johnson? Yes, Boris Johnson. <laughs> Nick, look at Nick Aldis out here getting some votes somewhere. Good for you, Nick. Number, number we gonna do this every week, Nick Aldis. Oh yeah, yeah. Until I forget, <laughs> um, you know, maybe he should try cutting his promos in Japanese or something. So, <laughs> number seven, Becky Lynch, uh, who largely went, I would probably say, ice cold after WrestleMania or a certain point. Um, Daniel Bryan, number eight, number nine, David Starr, uh, number ten, Samoa Joe. Mm. <clears throat> okay. So funny, like, funny how we didn't see the fiend in there anyway. <laughs> like for all of the for all of the Japanese fetishization, like I don't I don't understand how come there was nobody that was Japanese on that list. Amazing. I, I you know I I, I thought never I, no oh okay um, top, so top four all in AEW. This is a promo promotion apparently. So. um Promotion of the year. So number three, WWE. Number two, AEW. Number one, New Japan Pro Wrestling. And they've won like six years. They've won every year going back to 2012. So I think they're going to get a challenge this year. Well, yeah, because they're not allowed to run shows right now. So, uh, And then 2011, I think 2011 was at WWE, right? No, that was UFC. Like the UFC had a six year run before that. Okay, I could have swore that WWE had won one like the last few years. But okay, whatever. Um, maybe I'm thinking of the early 2000s more than anything. Else. Yeah, early 2000s back yeah. to back. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. Um, I I don't disagree. So, um, uh, I the problem with WWE is WWE is so big that it's like no matter what it does or whatever, like. Given what the network is, how we just uh, talked about it, like um, just a staggering number of uh, recommended matches out of WWE on the network, and then like the lack of that, given that the amount of TV time that the main roster gets, like you're going to get it finishing top three for best promotion, and then it also finishing, you know, top three for worst promotion because there's a lot of space and a lot of content, and a lot of it is some of the best of wrestling, a lot of it is some of the worst wrestling. So you're going to get it on both sides. Like it's 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 so big that it's going to end up like that, and it's it probably is like that every single year. They've have, but I've never yeah. really thought about it. I'm pretty sure like it's top three for both worst and best promotion for like the last few years. Uh, number four is the NWA. Number five UFC. Tied for sixth, um, Dragon Gate and Stardom. Number seven DDT. Number eight Triple A. Number nine OCT. Number ten All Japan. Hey, do me a favor. Where did Stardom finish in uh, in first place votes? Four and Dragon Gate had two. Yeah, 
So that's my that's the point. Like if you watch Stardom, you'll enjoy it. Like honestly, like between my three favorite promotions in in the world right now, if I were to rank them, probably be New Japan because the wrestling is unmatched. AEW and then Stardom. Stardom be my third favorite promotion in the world right now. It's higher than NXT right now. Then I'm um, looking forward best weekly TV show um, number three NWA Power. Hey Nick, all this we see you. Number two <laughs> NXT and number one, despite only running since October, AEW Dynamite handily dominating the ratings war and um, the um, Wednesday night wars. And you know it's just so- been. It's a, a fucking phenomenal show. It's a better show uh, most weeks, and that just like from people, you know, like like to shit on um, NXT is like, well, they finished second, and that's what we're talking about. We're talking about two awesome shows at the end of the day, and like my Wednesdays are always a joy. Um, so number four, uh, we got New Japan on Access. Number five, being the elite. Shouts out to BTE, all the BTE viewers. Uh, number six. MLW Fusion, 7 and Beyond, Uncharted Territory. Number 8, AEW Dark, the much maligned AEW Dark. Number 9, Impact Wrestling. Number 10, the AEW Road 2 Series. So that's it's four different shows for AEW. My God. Um, so lots of votes. I, I they, got, they got first place votes, too. AEW Road 2. That's oh, amazing. Off. That's amazing. Yeah, that's bullshit. They should just gave that shit to Dynamite and called it a day. And being that, elite got eleven first place are, votes. Yeah, those people are tripping too. Put that shit on Dynamite. Stop wasting. Yeah, they're spreading votes and shit. <laughs> like, what if it had been a dog fight for somebody? That would have cost Dynamite <laughs> the vote because y'all want to fuck off and give it to a, the fucking road show or whatever else. Stop being stupid, goofy asses. All right, so uh, what else? Uh, pro wrestling match of the year. So number three, Cody versus Dustin uh, at Double or Nothing. Sure. Number two, Hiroshi Tanahashi versus Kenny Omega. And number one, Will Ospreay versus Shingo Takagi. Yeah. Um, though I think those are the top two Look, matches. Two out of three ain't bad. I think I believe those are the top two matches. Uh, two matches or whatever. Obviously, it's all opinion and subjective. But, like, um, and like I know I already see Floyd getting up, texting me about me, like, making the scoff about Sure or Chad or somebody. But, like, that was not the third best match in the world this last year. Like, I'm glad y'all enjoyed it. I enjoyed it too, but like I ain't got to lie either. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> like, it's fine. Um, like I can see people like vote if people put it on their top ten list. I'm not even gonna like sweat people putting their top ten. Like, sure, fine, but like three, nah. Like that was not be- yeah. like that was not better than like Ishii and Shingo. That was not yeah. better than Osprey in in. Okada. That was not better than Okada in Ibushi. That's not like nah. Let's not. Let's not do. That was not better than Ishi in um in Naito. We don't have to do this. It's fine. So number it four. Wasn't better, that wasn't better than Johnny in um in Cole. So number four was the Okada Osprey match. Number five was Gargano Cole one. Number six was Shingo Takagi versus Tomohiro Ishii. Number seven, Young Bucks versus Pentagon and Phoenix at All Out, the ladder match. Number eight, Walter versus Tyler Bate. Number nine, Kota Ibushi versus Jay White. Number 10, John Moxley versus Tomohiro Ishii. Okay, so for example, right? Like, I probably put Cody. No, nah, I'm not even going to say that because I'll have, I have Josh and Jeremy yell at me, so I'm just going to leave that alone. But I could definitely, I'd definitely rock with that top 10, uh, Cody and, and Dustin top 10, but. Not not top three, no. So other uh, matches that 
you know, looks like, you know, that you guys may be interested in. Uh, Kofi Kingston, Daniel Bryan was honorable mention. Versa Nakajima and Nanae Takahashi was an honorable mention. <laughs> hey, Nanae and um, um, Nakajima, that was better than uh, Cody and, and Dustin. Kenny Omega and John Moxley was an honorable mention. Uh, the Young Bucks and Pentagon Jr.'s first match. Also, Will Ospreay versus Hiroshi Takahashi was an honorable mention. So was Star. So. Um, what what you say? Star and Devlin. Oh, okay. Yeah, I heard people rave about that. I just haven't seen it yet. Yeah, very good, very good. So that was all the Category A awards. Category B is a little different. Uh, these ones are just, you know, um, you know, more specialized kind of awards. So uh, this is just determined strictly by first place votes. You send in one name for it. So um, so we got our United States Canada MVP, number three, Adam Cole, number two, Cody, number one, Chris Jericho. Um Number four, Johnny Gargano. Five, Nick Gage. <laughs> Johnny Gargano finished fourth. <laughs> Number 15. That's crazy, dude. Excuse me. 15, tied for 15 uh, points. It's Nick Gage and Becky Lynch. Number seven, Nick Daniel Bryan. Gage. Yep. Like, I know um, he does a lot of indie dates or whatever else, but, like, MVP over Becky or in a, in a MVP scenario, nah, bro. No. And tied for seventh, Daniel Bryan and John Moxley. Number nine, Kenny Omega. Number ten, Seth Rollins. Wow, no Roman Reigns. That's wild. Well, <laughs> compared to Seth last year, look well. Look, they was both throwing up duds and Z's on the board. Right, like, right. My point is, like, I feel like you, I feel like at the end of the day, like Seth doesn't draw like Roman. So, like, they're still like they're still that. So. I don't know. I don't know how to do that with Seth and, and Roman no more. Yeah, I don't think either of them really draw, but... I mean, you get uh, my point, though. Like, it's like, okay. Uh, so, Japanese MVP, number three, Kenzo Miyahara. Number two, Will Ospreay. Number one, Kazushka Okada. So, number four was... Well, who, Kota, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, number four was Kota Ibushi. Number five, Tetsuya Naito. Number six, Kanosuke Takashita. And number seven, Hiroshi Tanahashi. Amazing. Tessa Unito, not nowhere near the top. Mm. Hmm. So, Mexico's MVP. Uh, we got L.A. Park, Roosh at number two, and then number one, AEW's Ray Phoenix. So, uh, Phoenix takes home an award there. Kenny Omega, honorable mention, 13 on that one. <laughs> so, I voted for Kenny. I didn't know much about the reason. Oh, I my didn't even God. <laughs> I, I didn't even think to to separate the Lucha Brothers from each other, but uh, yeah, you know, Lord. Kenny has some you, awesome matches. You really, you really voted for Mexican MVP Kenny Omega over La Parca. Yeah, I ain't watching none of them LA Park matches. My, my, I guess my response would be, don't fucking vote because you don't know. <laughs> that, that would really be my response. Come on, man. Um. Yeah. So see, we got the see, Europe MVP. Look, look, you, look, you see how you see how luring white supremacy is. You see. <laughs> yeah, let's vote for the white man I know instead of <laughs> instead of the fuck instead of the natives that are actually there. <laughs> let's move on. <laughs> What's the next award? So the next one is uh, Europe. You know, plenty, plenty of white guys to choose from oh, Europe. Yes. So, um, 
<laughs> so number three, we got David Starr. Uh, mm-hmm. Number two, Will Ospreay. And number one, Walter. So um, rounding out to category number four, Zach Sabre Jr., five, Jordan Devlin, six, Pete Dunn, seven, Tyler Bate, number eight, Tim Thatcher, nine, Chris Brooks, seven, Pack. Mm. Or ten, Pack. Okay. Non-heavyweight MVP. Will Ospreay in a fucking blowout. Yeah. I'm don't even count everybody else. Yeah. Um <laughs> women's wrestling MVP. Mm. Number three, Shayna Baszler. Number two, Tessa, I have the strongest mind I've ever known, Blanchard. And number one, Becky Lynch. I don't think Becky had some type of great year or anything, but this was like kind of a by default thing, it feels like. Um they set her up. I don't know. I, I there weren't enough people to, for her to wrestle that were stars. I feel like, and right. like I mean, the perfect example is look at that elimination chamber. Yeah, and I, I resent the fact that she um that that you know I think I heard um it was David Garrett say this that you know she went that Becky went down once Ronda was gone. It was like, well, <laughs> what, what else was she supposed to do? <laughs> What was she was supposed to just make it, make it, you know, make it work with with Lacey Evans? What, what was that? Was what was supposed yeah. to happen? Yeah, and then like transition that, like that plus like her and Charlotte for the million fucking time in like the last uh, six sixteen months, eighteen months. It's like you set her up for failure, just like you set up uh, Seth Rollins for failure, just like you set up uh, Roman Reigns for failure. Like they had these top stars, they get their big m- match or whatever else at WrestleMania, and then after that they go- have them don't not just you know uh, they got a plan, they ain't got something a cool. cool. Like the last good, the last good plan they had for any of these like top stars I mean, that are everyday people after WrestleMania was like put put AJ and and um, Roman together in 2016. That might be the last time they had a good idea with that. Remember what they did with uh, with yeah. Rollins after 2017? Yeah, go out there with Bray Wyatt. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that'll never get you over, no. by the way. <laughs> okay, uh, number four was Ronda Rousey. Number five, Io Shirai. Six, Riho. Seven, Rhea Ripley. Number eight, Mayu Iwatani. Number nine, Sari. And number ten, Momo Watanabe. No Charlotte Flair. Really? Wow. Honorable mention. Uh, next, next, next to Arisha Hoshiki and Hanakamura. Um, from an MVP perspective, um, I don't get having Momo over Hannah, other than the fact that like Momo is like three times the wrestler that Hannah is. But if it's an MVP discussion, like Hannah's the top draw merch mover in stardom, so therefore, if you're the biggest merch mover in the largest women's wrestling promotion in the world, you should be higher than a woman that is um, just a great wrestler. No knock against Momo. I love Momo, but I don't, I don't see that, but whatever. We're talking about, you know, the end of the card or the end of the top 10, but yeah. Um, sounds about right to me, I guess. So uh, best box office draw. I'm going to omit the UFC folks that were in there. The Please UFC person was john jones for those of you that might want to know but uh, as far as a three two one uh number three kazuko okada number two brock lesnar number one chris jericho not even close on this sounds about right uh i actually voted for kenny in this category because you know he had pretty much everything that jericho did aside from like the tv numbers so um what else we got here 
Feud of the Year. So we've got number three, Young Bucks versus Pentagon and Phoenix. Number two, Chris Jericho versus Cody. And number one, Adam Cole versus Johnny Gargano. Yeah. Um, surprising to hear that that finished number one, but it's like, all right, well, what feud actually like lasted the length of an actual real feud um, that was had that kind of caliber of match, that level of promo work. And like, it's kind of cool. It was kind of funny that like, you know, Triple H pretty much broke that glass in case of mercy. Like I was clearly set for um, Toronto, but they had to move forward and just, you know, pull the trigger on it because Ciampa went down with a neck injury and like to have, you know, feud of the year on short notice is like, that's pretty impressive. Yeah. Um, did not see any Abushi versus Naito. That looks like it was an honorable mention. I think that was the best like bell to bell wrestling feud of the year. Um, I think but, people were turned off by the by them trying to murder each other. I think that's what ended up happening. Um, I would if it was more spotlighted. I think that um, Nanai Takahashi versus Arisa Nakajima would have been up there because they had two matches. Um, they had one. I think it was. Uh, I can't remember, but it was like earlier in the year, and then they had the the the, giant, the hair versus hair match that was the big one that everyone raves about on the Joshi scene. But um, it just doesn't get eyes, so it is what it is. Most improved uh, number three, Jungle Boy. Number two, John Moxley. <laughs> <laughs> we talked about that too. Like he's going to end up winning most improved and like top brawler. Like after like his first few matches in G one, just based off the fact he's out of WWE and he's not allowed to have his matches. It was funny. It's and crazy. number one. Lance Archer, so that that great G one performance, and and come on into AW. Looking forward to seeing you in in, in America. Here, um, rounding up the rest of the top ten. Number four, Rhea Ripley. Number five, Taichi. Number six, Jay White. Number seven, <laughs> MJF. But uh, number eight, Darby Allen. Tied for eighth uh, is Cody. With with Allen for eighth and number ten, Will Osprey. Mm. That's kind of a, I guess you know, make making the leap from the like, uh, like the top class to like the number one is what you know. Whereas in some people's eyes, I, I think he, I think the thing is he works a more. I think he works a style that more people that like would that think he's just a flippy dude that hate him. I think he, I think he like uh, changed a lot of people's opinions this year because he did he did. Even though he does a bunch of flying, he does less flying, and you see more of his game now compared to, let's say, 2016, when he, you know, they had the superhero match with him in a Ricochet or 2017, whatever year that was. Um, Loved it. Yeah. So it's just a exposure thing. Like for me, if you ask me who the most improved wrestler from last year to this year, like it, for me, it's probably B Priestley. Um, she's a woman that literally a lot of people flat out thought sucked. Um, and now she's out here cranking out regular, like three and a half level matches. Um, you can say the same thing for like Tam Nakano, um, Hoshiki, definitely probably Hoshiki too, because like she was somebody that was just in tags and then stayed out in tags. And then also she, she got an honorable mention. Yeah. And then she started reeling off four and a half star matches on the, you know, throughout the summer. So like, I mean, that's, you know, no one saw that coming. No one. Um, so yeah, I mean, exposure. Uh, most charismatic. So number three, Tetsuya Naito. Number two, Cody. Number one, Chris Jericho. Um, yeah, we'll get to it with number four. So number four is Hiroshi Tanahashi. I'm sorry. 
I don't see an, an like for what my tastes are, what I'm into, and you know how I receive professional wrestling. I don't know a fucking planet that Tetsuya Naito is more charismatic than uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi. This is kind of like I feel like a reputation vote in the Observer because Naito's won like the last two of these, mm-hmm. you know, and I don't think he was more charismatic than Tanahashi ever. I think. I think a lot of people are into the subtle stuff, which is like, it's pro wrestling. Fuck that subtlety. I don't need subtle charisma. Like, that's, I need the rock. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, but, I mean, I would have voted Tanahashi. Based off this year, I would have voted Tanahashi over Naito. Um, number five was MJF. Number six, John Moxley. Number mm. seven, Becky Lynch. Number eight, Orange Cassidy. He probably could have been higher. Number nine, Matt Riddle, and number ten, Kenzo Miyahara. Um, I think Riddle could have been a little bit higher. Um, like, or or I'll say this: this year's Riddle is going to be higher than where he placed this year because he's already off to a far better start. Um, let's see who else. No, I think that's that's all I really have thoughts for it though. But yeah, like I mean, I. Tanahashi and Naito, I would have had. I would have flipped. Um, I guess that that entrance really helps Cody a lot. Uh, that he does every fucking week. <laughs> but Jericho is like too untouchable here. Like just, yeah. yeah, too much. Just too much. The best technical wrestler, the Brian Danielson Award, number three, Will Osprey, number two, Brian Daniel Bryan, and number one in a super blowout, Zack Saber Jr. Um, I think Gulak should have got some shine. Konami from Stardom should have got some shine. Um, Sonata as well. Um, I don't, I'm talking about like not top three, but like in the Sonata was number four. Okay, so that makes sense. So like Sonata wasn't like Sonata was incredible. Um, as a te- as a technician. Um, trying to think who else would I put up there? Johnny, of course. Um, where did Johnny he's finish? Number, finish number eight. Okay, makes sense. He made it only wrestle 15 matches. That boy, good. <laughs> it's just wild. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, that's that's pretty much the gist of it. Like, I think it's, I think it's, um, I think Saber does his wrestling in a way to where, like, it can't be anyone but him ever anymore. Um, yeah, man, might win that shit until he dies. Yeah, like, it's just, it's just, you know, it's, it's, it is, it is manipulation porn. So, um, so, the best brawler, Bruiser Brody Memorial Award. Number three, Shingo Takagi. Mm-hmm. Number two, John Moxley. And four, the one, two, three, four, five, sixth year in a row. We're gonna have to go ahead and um get his name also on the trophy eventually. Tomo Hiro Ishii. You said Moxley finished second? Yes. Mm. All right, what's the rest of the list? So number four is Minoru Suzuki. Number five, Walter. Uh, number six, Blue Demon Jr. Number seven, Chris Jericho. Number eight, Nick Gage. Okay, I'd have Walter in Nanai Takahashi above um, Moxley, but it is what it is. In Shingo, too, but it is what it is. Like, that's his thing. That's what's, you know, that's what people are into, and I enjoy the shit out of his sprawling, too, but those, those, are on, those two people are on two different levels. Like, Walter, like, <laughs> Walter is Walter. Like, I'm sorry. <laughs> Like the if not for um yeah I think it's the output yeah yeah like if not for like Ishii and Shingo is like yo I he's he's just so good well, and just being the piss out of people so yeah um 
Tomo yeah. Hirishi, there's no like bow down to the king. Yeah. You know, like I don't know how many more of these you got to win to actually get a push in New Japan <laughs> worth a damn. Um, you know, come to AEW Russell Kenny. You know, come do that. You know, y'all have five great matches. Um, <laughs> so uh, up next, uh, the best flying wrestler, number three, Dragon Lee, number two, Ray Phoenix, and doubling his vote, number one, Will Ospreay. Still the best flying wrestler here. Um, hmm. Hmm. Um, I feel like that's. I mean, it, I mean, if you went with either, for me, I think it's closer than people um, made it out to be between Ray Phoenix and um, and Will. But whatever, those are the top two for me. Yeah, Dragon Lee was uh, really great too. Yes, so. Most overrated. Woohoo! WWE, come on down. Um, <laughs> where did? Oh, quick question. Where did EO finish on uh, Best Flyer? Not on the list. Wow. Okay. So I'll go through the rest of it. Number four is El Ejo Del Vikingo, favorite guy of mine in AAA. Number five, Ricochet, who's wrestling on main event now, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> Number six, Shun Skywalker. Number seven. Tetsuya Endo and tied for seventh Jacob Fatu. Okay. So most overrated. Number three, Bray Wyatt. <laughs> number two, Seth Rollins. And number one, who else could it be? Good old King Corbin. He's really gonna be the new Kane. Yeah. And it's really impressive because now like Kane was always just like, all right, well, he's just a monster in a burn suit. And like Corbin has now won these, and like he's won, like he's won two or three. I think he's won two in a row. He's won two in a row. Like last year, he he won it as a commissioner, this or a authority figure. This year, he won it as a fucking Burger King king. king. Like yeah, he's, he's, he, that boy, that man, is, that man is versatile. Yeah, and then uh, Seth Rollins like that most overrated joint stuck to him. I think people figured out that his matches weren't that great anymore, and he wasn't worth having the trouble. Uh, with how he opened his mouth and turned the fans against him, and also like oh. sold his homeboy out, and oh, yeah. he, he caught a and, lot of like, and he was also handcuffed to Corbin. Yep, and being handcuffed to Corbin will get you on this list. So number four, we got Lacey Evans, pushed way before she should have been. Number five, hey, hey. Lacey Evans. Who else? Who else was handcuffed? Well, who was Lacey Evans handcuffed to during our parts of this early summer? Baron Corbin. Corbin. He gets everybody under. Uh, number five, Shane McMahon. Number six, Ooh. The Dentist, Britt Baker. Number seven, Jay White. Number eight, Brock Lesnar. Number nine, Sonata. And number 10, Cody. Okay, so those are all the usual suspects that you'd imagine be on this list. Aside from Sonata, is it because the, the few went too long with Okada? Why do you think, I think Sonata is just, just a guy that people don't like? Huh. Yeah. It, it, like in that, that deep Puro circles, like they hate Sonata for whatever reason. Like Do they think oh he should be getting he shouldn't be getting this push, he'd be going to Ishii or Shingo or whoever the fuck. I, no Goto. idea. Goto. Yeah, it should be pushing Goto, not Sonata. Oh, fuck yeah. No idea. Like, like um I love Sonata. Like, granted, like all the stuff that people say about him as far as having no charisma, that's absolutely there. But um that dude is 
that dude can do anything in the ring, just about. Like between the flying and the technical uh, proficiency, like I, he's just so he's so good at other stuff that is like let's not worry nitpick and worry about like something like that, like one gigantic glaring hole when you have all this other stuff that he does well at a high level, super high level. So I mean, maybe I'm just you know glass half uh, full on him. I don't know. So uh, number three, most underrated. So this is typically like most under. Pushed. Um, so number three is Toa Hanare. Number two, Matt Riddle. Number one, Shorty G. Mm, mm. Look, man, Matt Riddle could be a main eventer anywhere yeah. right now. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I don't think Shorty G can be a main eventer anywhere. I but... think he'd be a top junior. Yeah. But that's, yeah, that's re- as, yeah, as far as it goes. Like, he's a, a really good push wrestler. Yeah. Like, he's somebody that should be, you know, the number, well, he should be like number three baby face in a promotion. Like that's his ideal fit or whatever else. Um, but no, nah, Riddle, Riddle should have won this. Yeah. Uh, so number four was Ricochet. Five, Tomohiro Ishii. Six, uh, Mustafa Ali. Seven, Samoa Joe, even though he's like, woo, on the other I side. Think a, I think it's the promo work. Tied was Kushida. Uh, number nine was Cesaro. And number 10, Pac. Yeah. I mean, those are all people that have been underutilized in different promotions throughout the years. So I can see, I see that like, um, so, so rookie of the year, we got uh number three, Kane Velasquez, number two, Carl Fredericks, number one, the jungle boy. I voted what? for Carl Fredericks. What was number one? The jungle boy. Oh, okay. Uh, I, mean, I like jungle boy. If, but, you so know. if Jungle Boy's number one, does that mean that like Darby didn't qualify because he was in Evolve? Yes, yes, okay. he did not qualify. Okay, fair enough, I guess. Um, so number four was Clark Connors. Number five, Chris Statlander. Six, Strong Machine J. Tied for seventh, Marco Stunt. Private Party. Number nine, Alex Coughlin. Best non-wrestler. We've got Selena De La Renta at number three. Number two, Zelina Vega. Number one, Paul Heyman. Reputation vote. I don't think he was anything special. What? Who else was on his list? Because like Zelina didn't have a good year uh, because they didn't utilize on Andrade, which is yep. like Andrade. How come Andrade wasn't on a, a most underrated uh, list? That's crazy. Um, uh, let's see. He might have got honorable mention. Yeah, he was honorable mention. Okay. So who else was on this uh, this list that filled out the list for uh, for best non wrestler? All right, so number four was Gato. Number five, Tully Blanchard. Number six, William Regal. Number seven, Aubrey Edwards, the referee. Number eight, Katsuyori Shibata. Number nine, Peter. And also number nine, Jake Hager. I voted for Jake Hager. Okay, I would have... Hmm. There's just not, there's not good options for non-wrestlers anymore, it seems. Yeah. It's not like if Zelina's having a down year for her, and then like she finished second. Um, yeah, man, it just it just it's just bad. Um, it's a bad situation with like non wrestling acts in WWE. Like they need to stop playing and put fucking Stokely on TV. Stokely would immediately win this. They could do that. Stokely you would know, immediately he, win bro, this the second they put him on TV. He got honorable mentions, and he's <laughs> he not even, even on screen. <laughs> The strength of YouTube and, and, uh, and Twitter. <laughs> yes. Yeah, Stokely, you need to come win this. He stopped playing. Like, fuck Robert Stone. Put, put Stokely on. 
So uh, best television announcer, we got number three, Tony Giovanni, two, Excalibur, number one, Kevin Kelly. This is Kevin Kelly's first ever, or excuse me, second win. He won it last year. Mm. Okay. Um, I, have, I have no problem with that. Uh, if it's the only, you know, I have no problem with that. Like, watch the G1 final. Like, <laughs> um, like, I mean, you know, me personally, like, I prefer at this point now, like, I mean, I'm so, I still miss watching New Japan with, like, Japanese commentary because they're so much more animated than even, like, Kelly and um, Rocky or Kelly and, um, uh, what's the Aussie's name? Uh, what's his name? Uh, He's fucking... a Bullet Club Mark. Yeah, yeah, huge dude. Um, yeah, yeah, I can't remember his name. Yeah. But either fuck, way, I... like, they're not, they're not nearly as, um, animated um vocally is like the japanese commentary like, gino gambino that's what it is yeah like he yeah he, they're all good but it's just like new japan just like when i listen to when i watch like mexican or japanese wrestling i hear their announcers and they're losing their fucking minds like it's like oh this is excellent like when aerostar came off the top at triple mania and all some buddies yelling brutal 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 like i'm sorry that <laughs> takes me to a whole nother level when then kevin kelly talking about destino like it's just it's just something different. It's, like I appreciate it. he brings the energy, but not to that level. So we'll, we'll just jump to worst television announcers. This <laughs> this is loaded. This is loaded with WWE. So uh, number three, Beth Phoenix. Makes number sense. two, Michael Cole, mm-hmm. and number one, Corey Graves. Yeah, Graves won that because of his Twitter game, not because he's worse than Cole. Uh, what I will say this one point uh, I didn't mention um, during the. My during the opening match between um, Daniel Bryan and Gulak, I thought that Cole and um, Graves were very good. Hmm. Like they called it like a straight thing. They were like it was almost like Vince wasn't even there. Like it was, it was almost <laughs> like it was like it was on the network. That's how good it was. Like they were calling like an NXT match or a tournament match for the UK tournament. Like I thought it was very good. Um, their their commentary and they helped get over like the story of. This is master versus, you know, uh, versus pupil, sort of. Um, and, you know, the fact of what Daniel Brown was going through with his history of neck injuries or whatever else. And, like, the concern, not the, like, hushed tones concern, but, like, the concern of, yo, he's fucking up this dude's neck and he has a bad neck history and he's going to win this match. Like, I, I thought they did good. But oh, now that I get, now that I've given them the praise that they deserve for what they did last night, last year they were awful. So, yeah. and, they're, and they're always tan cuffed together. And, you know, it's funny because everyone's picking on Renee last year because of how bad the commentary uh, team was because they're always fucking four. with Renee uh, because Graves wants to fuck with Renee. And then Renee's been gone and they're on SmackDown and they're just a nothing show. Like, they, like SmackDown yeah. is so inconsequential to my viewing yeah. habits as a people, person that cares about the main roster. Like, I, it's crazy. So Byron Saxon finished number eight. I don't think he should have been on there at all. Byron Saxon was excellent last year. I think uh, he's probably excellent for the Kofi stuff, but everything else yeah. is just typical. I don't think yeah. he's awful. I think he's just, he's just in the middle of the pack person. Like he's indistinguishable. Well, think about it. After the Kofi thing, I mean, didn't they shake all that shit up and he was like gone? So it that's was right. Like, they put in um Buddy that was uh Brandon Williams and they they, they fired him after like nine episodes. Yeah, and they moved on. Yeah. So, um. Or transitioning back to wrestling. Sorry, not fun. Yeah. Uh, best major show. So number three, we got NXT Takeover New York. Got number two, Wrestle Kingdom thirteen, and number one, AEW Double or Nothing. So, and- so where did um Full Gear finish? 
So full gear finish and honorable mention. What number? First one. There was only one. There was one vote separating them and number ten. So okay. So they were one vote better than ten. So when we did our award show and I went on that rant about how dumb it was that they were in front of New York or NXT New York or whatever else, and you just like, hey, whatever, you know. I'm just like, all right, okay. So there you go. More voting. Less AEW marks in our voting. There you go. So we got uh, number four is the G1 Climax Final. Number five, uh, Best Super Junior Finals. Number six and seven, two different DDT shows. Uh, Number eight, Dominion. Number nine, WrestleMania. Hell no. Um, um, (laughs) Hell no. Look, I don't agree. It wouldn't have been one of my ten favorite matches, but... If you're a person that's into moments over actual uh, wrestling in ring, then it had its, it, it's a, it was from a moment perspective of beating Brock, Kofi, and Becky, sure. But as far as the ring action, no. Nah. Um, I'm just all I'm saying is I get how someone can arrive at feeling that way to vote for it. I'm not agreeing with it, but I can see how they came to that conclusion. That's all I'm saying. Uh, then tied for ninth was NXT Takeover 25. Okay. So, um, worst major wrestling show. <laughs> it's not actually it is. It is on there. It's, it's number okay. five. Okay. So, um, number three, Crown Jewel. <laughs> the Saudi show's killing it. <laughs> number two, Hell in a Cell, and number one, WWE Super Showdown was headlined by Undertaker and Goldberg. Yeah, man. Just a a parade of suck. Yeah, the Saudi shows all stink. All of them. Like, I think the best one is probably the one with uh, the tag match with uh, Kane and Undertaker versus DX, where, like, Sean, where they don't catch Sean on a fucking moonsault to the floor. Like, <laughs> like that might be the best Saudi show they've done. Um, and that's because, like, you had a Ray and Miz match that was pretty good. I think there's a Randy Orton and Ray match that's, that's good in it. And then, like, at the end of that tournament, you get fucking, <laughs> you get Shane winning the best in the role thing on the... Uh, like just swooping in and beating uh, Ziggler for it, like it's it's a mess. It's Saudi Arabia shows like those are those are just like gut punches. Like you know they're gonna suck, and then you hear that they suck, and then you watch them, and they're somehow worse than what you were told about how bad they suck, even though you knew they was gonna suck to begin with. Like it's just it's just levels Sh- upon levels of shit. Shows are an albatross. Um, they're they they fuck up the calendar. They fuck up the yes. like. The yes. like the tra- tra- like the travel getting there. No one wants to be there. Yeah. Like and, and it it shows. And yeah, and then yeah, you saw the travel again there. Yeah, they couldn't even get fucking back this uh, last time or um, <laughs> uh, during one of the shows. And another thing is like, at least like the first year is like okay, well the women aren't going. All right, we get Evolution. We ain't even a fucking Evolution this year. Evolution was the best pay per view WWE put on in the main roster in 2018. Couldn't even get that back. Nope. You know why? No Ronda. Exactly. Um, and you know they don't actually trust it. No, never mind. I'm no, not. I'm not going to no, get into no it. No man, young classic either. Uh, this year. Yeah, I'm not going to get into it. Um, <laughs> then uh, Hell in a Cell was fucking horrible too. Oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> that main event, the an embarrassment two, to the sport. The first two, it was a lot like um, it was like the worst version of the pay per view that we just reviewed earlier. Where it's like. Yeah, the first two matches are very good, so you're off to a great start in the first 40 minutes, however long, and then after that, no, nope, never recovers. Except it Hell in a Cell, like the the matches on the back end were far worse than the you know the average ass matches we got for um the Chamber. 
Right. Um, then best wrestling maneuver. Um, so we've got Kazushi Okada with a Rainmaker. Number two, Kenny Omega with a One Wing Angel. And number one, breaking the streak that Kenny had going back to 2016, is Will Ospreay with the Stormbreaker. Mm. Interesting there. Um, other notable moves, number four, Will Ospreay's Hidden Blade. I actually like that more than the Stormbreaker. Um, number five, yeah, the Judas Effect. <laughs> Judas Effect. I, that's, I think that's what I voted for was the Judas Effect. Uh, number six, Shingo Takagi, Last of the Dragon. Number seven, Kota Ibushi's Kamigoye. Number eight, Darby Allen's Coffin Drop. What up, Dan? And uh, tied with number eight, Shingo Takagi's Pumping Bomber. Number 10, Ray Phoenix's Tightrope Kick. Lots of good moves there. Yeah, I mean, if you ask me, like, I would take, out of that list, i take Phoenix's uh, rope walk, rope running kick because, like, who the fuck else is able to do some shit like that? Um, but, you know, whatever. It's fine. And then um, <laughs> the next award, most disgusting promotional tactic. <laughs> Number three, ROH using Enzo and Cass at MSG without telling New Japan. Number two, UFC and USADA's handling of John Jones. Number one, WWE continuing to do business in Saudi Arabia. It's the worst thing they do. It gets yuckier every time they have to go back. These shows become more transparent. They become worse quality-wise, and that money keeps arriving late. Yeah. Like, I still can't believe they're giving these boys like a, a 40 to $60 million credit line between shows. I don't get that. Crazy. Uh, number Worst television show. So number three, we've got Ring of Honor Wrestling. Ooh. Number two, WWE SmackDown. Number one, WWE Raw. Yeah, you know what's funny? Next year is going to be swapped, and it's going to be SmackDown's going to be worse than, than Raw, even though Raw is a three-hour show. Can't wait. <laughs> Can't wait. Bruce Prichard running this shit yeah. to the ground. Yeah. This man fucking it up. Worst match of the year. So number three, Braun Strowman versus Tyson Fury. Number two, The Undertaker versus Bill Goldberg. And number one, The Fiend versus Seth Rollins. Minus five stars. You want you want something legendary out of the archives? Go listen to our uh, review on that show. Uh, I hated that match. I hated everything I had to do with, like, you know, putting Rollins in there as a, as a bad baby face against uh, Bray Wyatt, who's a bad wrestler, who actually does have the crowd, like, cheering him. So, like, but you can't actually beat him, so they got to do goofy shit. So, um... The, they had the, the level of parody that was reached in the match. I always talk about from WrestleMania 34 when uh, Roman started kicking out of all those F5s where it was just like comedy at that point. They had the big fucking uh, hammer-like Gallagher uh, in the fucking Hell in a Cell. Yes the, yeah. yes, the Joker mallet, yes. Or sorry, the Harley Quinn mallet, yes. They have the referee breaking kayfabe, calling Seth by his real name and shit, and like knowing this shit's ridiculous. You have the fucking ridiculous red light. You have the fucking toy cage or whatever, like the big red cage. Like that's just like, yo, this is no, no. It was a red cage that they put in the red light. It is like that's you don't think that's redundant? No, no. Okay, whatever. Just levels upon levels of trash, like. This might be one of the worst matches I've ever seen. <laughs> well, Ray Wyatt ain't getting no more over. Seth definitely ain't getting no more over. 
uh, all the fans were chanting AEW. I remember this like it was yesterday. Yeah, that match sucked. Um, I would have voted for this for, for worst match of the year. Like, is it actually in fact the worst match I've saw I saw last year from a technical standpoint? No, like I watched twelve year olds wrestle in in opening cards on Stardom, but they weren't out there for God knows how long. In a main event spot, doing dumb shit. They're just they're just twelve year olds that are learning how to wrestle. Then we got um, let's see what we got. Uh, we got worst feud of the year. Baron Corbin all over this fucking thing. So let's start with him first. He was on number six, number five, number four, and number three. That boy dominant. Yeah, <laughs> that boy so, dominant. Number three was Roman Reigns versus King Corbin. Yuck, yuck, yuck. Uh, number two, Rusev and Bobby Lashley, of course, led to the wedding. Hey, you Yikes. know that like Corbin and Roman's going to be on here for next year, too, right? Yep. I just, just a heads up. He's going to be here next year, too. And number one, Seth Rollins versus The Fiend. It doesn't get much worse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm trying to think. Seth Roman... I'm sorry, uh, Seth versus The Fiend or 2018's non-feud of Sasha versus Bailey. Which one's worse? This for sure, because this undoubtedly <laughs> damaged um, Seth Rollins so bad that I, I don't think he's ever going to be an effective babyface again. Uh, Bray Wyatt, they did like Seth Rollins beat his ass too much, so they stopped the match. It was just, it was bad before the match. It was bad during the match. It was bad after the match. Like, it was just like, the Sasha and Bailey thing is just a running gag at this point. Yeah, don't disagree. I just wonder what your thoughts were. All right, worst promotion of the year. Number three, we got Impact Wrestling. Number two, Ring of Honor. And number one, World Wrestling Entertainment. Yeah. That's going to be the case. Like, they're... Um, back to back. Yeah. Uh, like, their popularity is... in the fact that there's more people watching them put on bad TV as opposed to the bad TV, the Impact, the Ring of Honor, or, I don't know, anywhere else puts on that will, frankly, put people out of business. Like, we'll put them out of business. So, um, just them, them being so large that they have more eyes on them is going to get them on this top... Get them top three for worst promotion all the time. And, quite frankly, put out a lot of shitty wrestling, too. So... I, I, I and people are voting for like stuff that don't doesn't have to do with the wrestling. Their business practices, right. they're freaking poaching the the way they've cannibalized Europe. The... Right. right. So for those that are like uh, Fed Defense Squatters or people that just hate uh, Meltzer and thinks that he has poisoned the well for his listeners, which is like I don't know, I just think different than anybody else that does any other show. Like I'm sure people that listen to our show that are influenced by what we listen by what we say because they listen to our fucking show, of course, but. Um, I think, I mean, just regardless of whatever it is, like, Ring of Honor, when it stinks, isn't going to be as bad as WWE when it stinks, because WWE has far more people watching it, so they're going to see more, more people are going to see that stink on the WWE side, and I'm sorry, that's just how it goes for, for these kind of popularity or unpopularity, uh, contests, like, these voting, uh, things are. It is what it is. Um, you get, like you working yourself up, getting upset about some shit that like. Oh yeah, there was a lot of people upset about a lot yeah, of shit like, on Twitter. Yeah, like people it. were so upset. Like I can't believe this shit finished uh, first place for its promotion. What about that? It's like, did y'all? So you're not acknowledging the fact that they also finished number three for best. Oh, oh. 
I think another part of it is like they know the reason why that shit got voted number three was because like the shit that happened not on not on the main roster, but whatever. Shit, funny. Um, so best Booker uh, number three, Tony Khan number two, Triple H number one, Gato. Mm. Um, I think it's I think it's weird that Tony Khan's on there because like. Is he actually the Booker or like the EVPs, the Bookers, or where we don't even know their infrastructure even like come up with a guess on that? I mean, Tony Khan's got the last say. That's everything I read. So like, okay, so in theory, that means he's a Booker just the way Vince is a Booker. All right, fine. Yeah. Um, so, I if that's the case, then starting so, next year, uh, Tony Khan should be number two. Yeah, he's gonna be uh, depending on what Gato does this year. So. Yeah. Like I would like to, I would really, I would really like to see that, um, um, that tr- with Triple H and whatever he's doing in the PC with, uh, the with WWE or sorry NXT. Like, I would like to see what he could do for a full year without having to, uh, without having having full autonomy, without having to deal with someone might be getting called up. They want to bring Charlotte down. I would like to see what it does. Like, I, I think he does. I think he's really good at planning out stuff ahead of time, knowing where he's going to go. But um, he gets himself in some weird situations when injuries come into play as well. So he, uh, I think these are all very good bookers and people that like. I love their TV. So like, ultimately, um, I'm just wondering. Like with Triple H, I see the weaknesses. Uh, like so far, Khan, um, you know. He's willing to experiment in you know at first, and he's starting to hone in on what what people actually want. So he's getting better. So, um, and Gato's Gato's just just the best. So <laughs> yeah, he's one. I have I have no notes for Gato except for like maybe just you know uh, no I have no notes I have no notes. Yeah, he he won uh, looks like eight out of ten awards last decade. So anyone knows Derva Hall of Fame last year. Yeah, so. I think I think the one year that he didn't win was uh, on Triple H one NXT. Him and Ryan were together. Yeah. Um, it's promoter of the year, number three, Triple H. Number two, Harold May and Takagi Kadani. And number one, Tony Khan, taking a promotion from zero to national television in under a year and getting renewed uh, and making money by a second year. Yeah. Um, I think next year, Kadani should, um, well, depending on how this scare goes, how this, not scare, but like how this thing goes with was affecting, um, attendance or whatever for new Japan and stardom, but with the addition of stardom and how, how much their attendance has shot up since, uh, Kadani and, and Bush were got their hands on it. Like, I think he should be getting some looks for number one promoter next year. Um, this wasn't even close. Tony Khan was super blowout. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, obviously because he, he built from nothing to, you know what I'm saying? Like is he built from nothing to this. And then now like next year yeah. it's on what he can sustain from an or grow from what he, what, what he's, what his benchmark is like with stardom, stardom last year, uh, compared to what has been so far this year before the, uh, the epidemic or whatever else, or the, the health scare, like, um, they're on a, they're, they're on a, I mean, they've almost doubled their attendance or not double their attendance, but like close to it. Um, so I was, I would say, you know, from that and plus, you know, uh, what they've been doing with consistently with, um, the two year or sorry, selling out two domes or 70,000 to two dome shows. Like that, that's definitely a feather in their cap, uh, for Kadani, um, going to 2019's awards. So, um, I'm sorry, 2020's awards. Sorry. 
Tony Khan showing pay-per-views not a dead medium. Um, <laughs> doing like over 100,000 buys multiple times. And flat out, just like, AEW is just the most talked about promotion anywhere you look on the internet. And a lot of that had to do with him. And also how, how he interacts like with the media. And he um, does the after press shows run. like to their face. He had a press, press conferences to their face. And I, I think he's just really popular uh, all around. So up next, we got Best Gimmick. So number three will be Orange Cassidy. Number two, Chris Jericho. And number one, The Fiend, Bray Wyatt. Look, it was creative. It was a cool look. Matches sucked, but um, people liked it. And people were really, when he lost that belt, people were upset. Yeah. Like, he's polarizing, just like we talk about... um, WWE for most popular and um, I'm sorry for best promotion and worst promotions like there was a lot of stuff that people enjoyed there's also a lot of stuff people didn't enjoy um, between the, the gimmick for, for Wyatt so I thought it I thought it uh, warranted being um, for placing or whatever so so the worst gimmick number three The Fiend Bray Wyatt <laughs> there you go <laughs> number two King Corbin and number one Shorty G so number two and one so, were both so what did Corbin. You, correct. So 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 what did you think Shorty G actually was? Because I know what I think it was. Shorty G? Uh, I thought it was they were trying to give him a nickname that was supposed to be endearing. It's almost like, um, remember when they were trying to give Neville a, a Mighty Mouse gimmick? Yeah. Like, I wouldn't say necessarily that exact thing, but it was supposed to be like, he's the undersized the underdog you're supposed to root behind and then it just didn't work at all because like they lost steam on it because Corbin makes every turns everything to shit and like he was one of those three week push type dudes or whatever else yeah um yeah I, I have my own ideas on what I thought Shorty G was but um <laughs> so let's go to uh best pro wrestling book uh, number three, Mary Kane by Glenn Jacobs. Number two, Voice of Wrestling, New Japan, uh, Urine Review, 2018 version. And number one, 100 Things that WWE Fans Should Know or Do Before They Die by Brian Alvarez. I do not own this book. Uh, usually I always buy Alvarez's books, but I just hadn't got around to this one. Uh, it's fucking hilarious uh, that they won. Oh, you read it? I haven't read it yet, but I bought it. Um, uh, yeah, but it, it's clearly like it's it's the influence thing, or whatever else. Like I'm sure somebody that you know hates their guts is going to look at that thing and say, "Look, their Marx just bought the merch." It's like, well, that's kind of how that works, um, and it's fine. Uh, it's not the end of the world. But so when are we going to rename this this category? So this is Brian Alvarez's third win uh, <laughs> on. The- we got to rename the category the Brian Alvarez Best Pro Wrestling Book uh, category. Um, that's hilarious. Uh, but yeah, I just, I don't know, man. It's, I didn't, I, I haven't read any of these books. So I can't give it any. So I, I you know, I can't. Read All it. I know is death of WCW is fucking great. And I just skim through it all the time. It's right on my phone. Yeah. I, um, I've skimmed through a few parts of it. And I enjoyed it, but yeah, I just, um, I mean, I'm not. I'm not a person that's really into going through like, especially most of these books. Wrestling books are like biographies, so it's like I'm not. I'm not there to do that big of a deep dive yet on some stuff. Maybe another time in my life I will be, but like I just, you know, I want to see the the people of Russell. Uh, so 
I have no I have no qualifications to answer whether that was a good choice or a bad choice or whatever else. But like clearly, uh, the 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 F4W fans were influenced by having a a F4W contributor write a book, obviously. And it's, so, fine, it's um, okay. Uh, and then the last award is uh, best pro wrestling documentary. Um, was number three the wrestlers voodoo wrestling in the Congo. Never saw that. Number two, the Kenny Omega Omega Man one. Uh, and number one, the Dark Side of the Ring uh, series. Some of those episodes, I think, were were worthless, like the Montreal Screwjob one. And then other ones were very interesting, like the Bruiser Brody one or the Von Eric one or the Gino Hernandez one. So a lot of those are good, aside from, you know, when people were capping bullshit on the uh, Montreal Screwjob. Yeah, I am... Um... Since they do allow series, what was the series advice that uh, for like following basically like subgenres of wrestling? Like for example, they had one for one for deathmatch wrestling, like CZW, and then another one they did for Stardom, for example. For Those about, are the Vice ones. Is it called? Was I it think called the wrestler or wrestler? I think it was the wrestlers. Yeah, were it but... place at all or no? The the wrestlers had two different entries. It was Voodoo wrestling in the Congo and Craziest wrestling in Japan. Okay, all right. But those are the awards. All right. Uh, thanks for going through that. We probably should have cut it off earlier, but whatever. It's fine. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, that's it. This show. Um, be sure to rate us on whatever app you're using to listen to this. Tell the folks about the Social Suplex Podcast Network. Be sure to check out our friends at powerslam.tv, the sponsor of this show. If you're a fan of independent pro wrestling and have over 5,000 hours of footage from all over the world, you can use the code Social Suplex to get your free must trial. Don't forget to visit prowrestlingtees.com com slash social suplex pick up some official social suplex podcast network merchandise also be sure to check out some the other shows on the network on sundays we have one nation radio tuesdays we have keeping a strong style on wednesdays we have the ricky and clive wrestling podcast every other wednesday we have Groman washes shit on thursdays i'm sorry on fridays we have getting the ring and on saturdays we have all things elite thanks for listening hey Kenny and the Bucks, six stars. And uh, Heyman and Paige, uh, using the book on you boys, psychology. <laughs> Alright, let it y'all. Peace. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.